0: Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast, the first of 2019, brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know it's not smart? Enabling power-hungry ride receivers, Kevin Clark, that's not smart. You know <laughs> what else isn't smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. Luckily, there's a smart way at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. They find people with the right skills for your job. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, let's talk about Project Blue Book. It's based on the true top secret United States Air Force investigations of the same name. Project Blue Book follows Aiden Gillen as Dr. J. Allen Hynek, a brilliant astrophysicist and college professor that was recruited to spearhead this clandestine operation. Each episode draws from actual files, blending UFO theories, with authentic historical events from one of the most mysterious eras in United States history. Do you believe in UFOs, Kevin? I do. I think. I do too. The new drama series Project Blue Book premieres Tuesday, January 8th at 10 p.m. ET on History Channel. Visit history.com slash Book to learn more we're also brought to you by the ringer.com the greatest website in the world Mm -hmm. as well as the ringer podcast network where you can find the ringer nfl show with kevin clark
1: what days are you taping now during the playoffs we do it sunday night and thursday
0: okay and you're gonna be on dual threat with ryan russell this week
1: that's what i hear yeah it's a media blitz
0: it's a ringer media tour for kevin Clark. (laughs) he's coming up so is kevin o'connor we're gonna talk ben simmons for anthony davis possible trade Fake trade that we made up. And we're (laughs) going to talk a lot of NFL drama this week with Kevin Clark right now. But first, our friends from Pro Jam. All right, we're going to get to Kevin Clark in one second. While we were taping this... Super Dave died, or we found out that Super Dave died. Bob Einstein, who uh, was a friend of the of the whole Extended Ringer family and the Cousin Sal Jimmy Universe. We did an Against All Odds podcast, me and Sal and Super Dave, that we're going to republish on that feed if you hadn't heard it. He was one of the funniest people I've ever interacted with. Um, just a great, great guy. And we knew, we knew he wasn't feeling that great, but was very surprised to hear that news. But one of the all time, <laughs> one of the all time funny comedy dudes uh, from when I was growing up, but more importantly, like just a great guy and um really funny. There's, I've been around a lot of funny people in my, in my day, which I, I, I I've been fortunate in that regard. And there's like a handful of people who were just funny constantly who were like reading the room playing off people, teasing them, making fun of them who were just on all the time. And he was like the number one example in my head like that. He was just so funny. You just, anytime you're around him, you're just like laughing and uh, was just a great guy. And he came on this podcast a couple of times. He came on it, the old one I had on ESPN, but the one we did with Sal, I think was one of my favorites. And we had to cut out like, I think probably 20 minutes of it because uh, he kept telling these crazy jokes and uh, he was just great. So we're going to republish that on there. Super Dave, we love you. Um, really sorry to hear that news. Anyway, here we go with Kevin Clark. All right, The Ringers' Kevin Clark is here. Um, playoffs are coming this weekend. Pittsburgh has hijacked the headlines. Amazing. A lot of Pittsburgh drama. A uh, really controversial piece by Seth Wickersham. 20,000 words about uh, the fall of the... Oh, no, he they, ESPN didn't write anything. My bad. My bad. It's only when the Patriots have perceived tension are there 20,000-word pieces and a whole week of content on ESPN. I forgot. My bad. Sorry, Kyle.
1: Didn't mean to get you fired up. Uh, yeah, Steelers, dissension. It, it's... It's an amazing story because, and this has happened a couple of times in the last maybe three or four years. First of all, this is the second trade request Antonio Brown has made this season. He made one in yeah. September that everybody forgot about. But everything in the NFL. Dude, and it wasn't in passing. He threw it out pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. aggressively. This one, the report is that he yelled, I'm done at at practice. Yeah. And people think that that was a trade request. But right. maybe it was just he was done throwing the ball up in Roethlisberger, which is apparently what he did. So... But the default in the NFL is nothing's a big deal. R-E-L-A-X, relax, all this stuff. And the Steelers have a nice combination of extremely dramatic people. Yeah, I mean it's all—it's very high school. It's very everyone's got these aim away messages that are all like they're feuding with each other, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's really amazing to see in the NFL. It's very NBA, I think. You
0: get, you I was know? thinking more desperate housewives circa like two thousand six. Like, like
1: Ben Roethlisberger has one bad game against the Jaguars last year, and it's immediately, well, maybe I don't have it. And every, any other quarterback is like, we're just going to put our our heads down yeah. and grind. And Ben, be a like, man, be a leader. Ben has criticized. Pretty much every every skill position player on the team in the last couple of years. Antonio Brown yeah. uh, is obviously you know a, a even even yesterday Ben Roethlisberger called Le'Veon Bell a distraction, even though Le'Veon Bell has, has been gone for an entire year. Yeah, how's he a distraction? He's not no in idea. the locker room. If you're distracted, that's on you. I think. Yeah, but he's so, not there. Antonio Brown is obviously uh, a mess in practice, and so it's just a rare combination of combustible people, and and it, it spills out into the public. It's actually quite fascinating to watch. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, my thought is everybody's in the wrong here, probably, is my guess.
0: It seems like a We're bad real- b- a bad collection of personalities compounded by the fact that Ryan Shazier, hmm. who seemed like he had filled that defensive leader role for them and was kind of like the guy, and then he goes out midway through last season, he's never going to play again. So you, you add that to then you have all of these kind of beta dudes on the other <laughs> side. And Mike Tomlin, who is in that P. Carroll camp of all, I can handle anybody. Yeah, alpha, I don't care alpha. how
1: big of a dick you are, but Alpha's I can deal everywhere. with it. Alpha's yeah. everywhere. So a couple things. Number one, I, I had a talk with Kevin Colbert, the, the general manager, in the summer, and we were talking about the way modern football is going, and he did make reference to the fact that, and this is a football thing, yeah. that Ryan Shazier played so well horizontally that he was going to be the key to sort of unlocking modern defense for them because it's all horizontal football now. Ryan Shazier was that. So just from a schematic football standpoint, the Ryan Shazier thing it was massive for them. You
0: mean that linebacker who can basically... Who can just
1: go sideline to sideline. Yeah. He can the snuff out spread offenses, that whole thing.
0: Like Kyle Van Noy. <laughs> yeah,
1: like Kyle Van Noy. And so, uh, <laughs> but I kind of think that your point about Tom when I kind of think that coaches building chemistry is a fake thing I think that it's the, it mm. comes from the players and I think that there needs to be a Steelers player who's an emotional leader who just tells everyone to shut up the problem I think is that you know you get to the level of Ben Roethlisberger you get to the level of Antonio Brown and you're not going to listen to a linebacker you're not going to listen to a defensive tackle or offensive tackle whatever it is and so I just think that there's there's probably no solving it. However, I would, if I were the Rooneys, if I were Kevin Colbert, I would just ignore this. I would, I would not trade Antonio. So Brown.
0: this is something Belichick figured out during the first five years with the Pats, yeah. and I'm not sure if it was by accident or when he had it, he realized that this was the key to everything. Is to have the veteran dudes basically run your the team. Vrabel. There's a
1: reason when Willie McGinnis say what you will about Scott Pioli's tenure in Kansas City. First thing he did was trade for Mike Vrabel. Yes, because he knew that how important that was.
0: The Patriots had and they had Bruschi, Willie McGinnis, Vrabel. Then as those guys started to get older, oh, and then Vince Wilfork too. Yeah. Then as those guys started to get older, Junior Seau came in for those two yeah. years, and then when the team kind of fell apart in the late 2000s, they were missing those guys. Then they kind of had the second uh group of dudes, which they actually drafted. And that was when, I think, post-Hernandez uh Hernandez draft. She mm.
1: Ch- needed to make some changes. After yeah, that.
0: I think they started really looking at um kind of who they were drafting. And yeah. that led to the second group. But then Brady's older. And then the fact that Brady's the GOAT, I think, really probably helps, too. And you can bring in the Josh Gordon. Pittsburgh could not have brought in Josh Gordon. I, I think agree. that would have been a disaster. I agree.
1: And also, but... The other thing is, is that Belichick is so good at at those low cost moves, and then moving on from his mistakes in general. I mean, I'm talking about guys like, you know, Chad Johnson, guy, the, the guys he brings in, in a lot the, of flyers, in, a lot of flyers, where he's just like, this is low cost, who cares? And and, and he doesn't really make, he doesn't really go all the way on. Even any Hernandez, of these guys. F- fourth well, round pick, they did sign him to a huge extension. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But it was a, initially
0: it was a flyer, it was a fourth round pick. Sure,
1: and then, and then they signed him to a huge extension. Yeah, I forgot that part. And they had to go right. to a grievance because they tried to How did to that work him? with
0: the cap when you have somebody in a huge extension who, be, who murders people? Yeah, they had
1: dead money on it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah.
0: Don't edit it that out, Kyle. No. I, want, I want people to hear. They need to, we need to learn from our... By the oh. way, anyway, is there enough Aaron Hernandez content right now? There's <laughs> three podcasts and 17 documenters. What more is there to learn at this point?
1: It's kind of, it, is, it is an incredible story. I don't even think we, we talk about it. it. This is a strange thing, but I think that we now talk about it too much. But for a long time, we didn't talk about it enough. Yeah, the seesaw definitely flipped. Yeah, we did not talk for like two years there. We kind of just
0: swept it under the rug. I remember asking people who I knew who were connected to the Patriots. Like, yeah. what was it like when that dude was on the team? There, Ray just stayed away from him. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's episode three. You just talked to different guys of the team, yeah, and then talk to him.
1: Nobody talked. He was yeah. in the
0: locker room a surprising <laughs> amount, kind of afraid of him.
1: But yeah, there were certain times. So the Patriots locker room was almost always empty, and I remember yeah. he was there kind of a lot, right? Um, and I don't know what. Maybe that was because they knew he knew everybody would just stay away from him. I, I didn't really. There were a lot of strange things with Aaron Hernandez, yeah. and I, well, I, I was in I was in college when he was in Gainesville. We were in college at the same time, and you could always hear those sort of legendary mm. Aaron Hernandez. The point stories. is,
0: every team has a couple chemistry wild cards.
1: Okay. He's he's in a, to be clear, he's the he's worst in a case scenario. Yeah, he's the worst case scenario. <laughs> well, okay, Seattle But D- Seattle took some and Percy chances. Harvin got in a fist fight the week of the Super Bowl. Well, Seattle had Percy
0: Harvin. Yeah. I would say uh I would say some of the defensive dudes that they had were wild cards but sure. they try to have but it figured out.
1: But that was alpha. That was the, the literal Pete Carroll said this alpha, alpha, alpha. That's what they wanted. They think that that, that was, you know, those guys push each other. I remember going to Seattle and talking to those guys, about Earl Thomas, Earl Thomas would just say whatever he wanted to say Yeah. in, you know, to a, a cornerback and it was crazy and they would scream at each other. And they thought that was healthy. You know, they would, they merged meetings at one point, I mean, in 2014, 2015, because they wanted to air it out. It was like the festivists airing of grievances. They, would just scream at each other. They thought that was very healthy.
0: This is Draymond Green's move, which I yeah. think has worn out everybody in Golden State now.
1: Well, it wears people out. Let me freak out, and then we'll make up. Do you know what you can't do when everybody's an alpha? You can't throw an interception at the one-yard line in the right. Super Bowl. You can't call a pass. And but, also, by the way, the worst pass in your playbook, because that's the thing about that pass, is that Pro Football Focus did this study. They ran that place six times that year. It never worked. Mm. and then you're going to run out the 1-0 on the Super Bowl. The players know this stuff.
0: Kyle, does a tumultuous relationship where people fight and then break up and get back together? Is that any of that sound familiar to you?
2: There's a light at the end of that tunnel somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on.
0: 2018. Football. He's Football. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about the Antonio Brown thing. Okay. So there's two separate issues here, and I, I think you're right. The Tomlin thing is over there. The Tomlin's... Basically been phenomenally successful as a head coach. And I think we kinda want it to be his fault, but the reality is they go somewhere between ten and six and thirteen and three every year. They've made the playoffs, I think, four out of the last seven yeah. years, which isn't great. I actually wrote down uh He's had his I mean he since they so they made the Super Bowl in January two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven playoffs lost to Tim Tebow as a seven and a half point
1: favorite. I'll run into a buzz cell there. Nothing you can do about that.
0: Missed the playoffs the next two years. Mm-hmm. Lost to the Ravens in 2014 as a three point favorite. Mm-hmm. 2015, beat Cincy in a wild card game on a last second field
1: goal. That doesn't even, beating Marvin Lewis in the playoffs doesn't right. actually count. Barely it's beat been Marvin vacated. Lewis. That was the
0: closest Marvin <laughs> Lewis came to a playoff win. And then uh, they lost to the Broncos the year when Peyton Manning was basically uh, had no strength whatsoever yeah. in his radar. 2016, beat Matt Moore in Miami in the first I round. I remember that. Beat KC and Alex Smith in the second round. Got killed by the Patriots. Last year, seven-point favorites against Jacksonville lost to Blake Bortles. So the only quarterbacks... Up 40, 45 points to the Jaguars. Give up 45 points to Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. So the only quarterbacks they've beaten this decade are Andy Dalton, mm-hmm. Matt Moore, a, and a Alex a Smith. A woozy Matt Moore. A woozy he Matt got, Moore, yeah, who got concussed. Yeah. And Alex Smith. They've also lost to Blake Bortles, Joe Flacco,
1: and Tim Tebow. That's this whole decade. The decade's almost over. It's 2018. There's a couple of things here. So number one is that there are schematic problems. He was covering Keenan Allen a couple weeks ago with the damn linebacker. Like let's get Mike Tomlin an internet connection to find out who Keenan Allen is. Okay? That was
0: about as bad as a, a coach has been roasted on by smart NFL Twitter yeah. as, as they just rolled off these gifts of number yeah. 54 chasing <laughs> Keenan Allen.
1: That was and terrible. So, and so it, it was real bad. And so, but that's separate from the chemistry. I think the chemistry as you said is over there, but I just, you know, I think that maybe they need a defensive overhaul. Maybe they need a new defensive coordinator there I, I don't want to get into the, the defensive coordinator maybe thought that Tyler Eifert is healthy and playing for the Bengals there was that little mini scandal a couple weeks Talk ago to Stephen A and yeah and Tyler Eifert are the two dominant I love you, Stephen a. I'm love A. just joking um and so yeah so I, it, it's it's very strange to me I think they enter in a weird spot Roethlisberger and Brown combined 55 million dollars against cap next year
0: So that leads me to the second issue. I don't think Tomlin's the issue. I think Tomlin is successful enough. I don't think we're ever going to be fully happy with an NFL coach. And he's in the top eight. We don't want to admit it, but success-wise he is. The chemistry issue's over here. Now there's two other issues. One, Ben Roethlisberger. So what's he making now? Isn't it? He's making like Next year,
1: he's going to make 23. Right. And he's got one more year on his deal. So they may have to restructure. Pretty up and down,
0: Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Can can light it up like he did in that Saints game where he can kind of turn it on for a half. He's got the veteran experience. I don't think he has a body that's going to age well over He's the next He's not on the TB12 years. method. He's not? I've looked into this. He's not doing it. He could be one of those it's over. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, shit, Ben Roethlis washed up. I didn't realize.
1: We're in totally uncharted territory with these quarterbacks in our aging curve because it used to be you'd have your little peak at 32, 33, and then you'd go on a gradual decline. The only person we really had like this you know who's entered into the sort of modern era and has been productive in his late 30s, Peyton Manning, who had four neck surgery. So we don't know when it's going to go. Could throw a spiral though. <laughs> Could throw a spiral, and so we don't know when it's going to go. Breeze, Brady, all of these guys. So we're, just, you know I, I think that if, if you're the Steelers right now and you're looking at the salary cap, Antonio Brown goes from eight million to twenty-two million just next year in this off season. Okay, if you trade him, it goes down to eight, I think, and then the the new team picks up fifteen. It's million. like after July 31st, uh, uh, something, June 31st. Like 1st, June yeah, 1st, yeah. And so, you know, I just think that you, you, you have to think long and hard about committing to Roethlisberger for more than. Well, so that's my question. A year?
0: I'm starting there. Everyone's like, well, they got, got to get rid of Antonio Brown. It's like, yeah. are we sure? Are we sure the move isn't actually to think about, can you trade Roethlisberger to a contender?
1: Um, It's the same cap mm. hit either way. Um I, I would ignore it and go all in on one more year. Because I just with everybody, with everybody, with everybody. I don't think you're going to get a better shot. I think I don't I think it's premature to tear it down. I think you say, guys, figure this the hell out. I don't know what's going on. I mean, Antonio again, Antonio Brown has done this before. He's gone AWOL three times, apparently, according to that Pittsburgh Post-Gazette article. So I think you just you're not going to get fair value. Here's the thing. You might get fair value for Roethlisberger, though. Well, what's fair value for Roethlisberger?
0: If if it's a team that feels like it's pretty close I don't and know. needs the veteran QB for three years.
1: I mean, three you think you're gonna get three years. The problem is they don't have a replacement for him because yeah. they've never they drafted. Have Josh a QB. Josh Dobbs, Mason Rudolph. I mean yeah. that's not they I don't Landry Jones was cut. They, I mean there's not a lot, but they don't have a Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think it's realistic to think
0: that you can actually win the Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger anymore. If he's if he's the heart of your team. Hmm.
1: That's
0: my expert opinion.
1: Okay, I I think that with the right talent around him, you can.
0: With but what's the right talent? And didn't he just have the right talent?
1: Well, I think that if you had still had Le- uh, Le'Veon Bell under a decent contract, I think they've they've aged. The they, time has passed them by. I right, think that they the just fact, had their window, the and the fact didn't happen. that they had the killer bees and they didn't get to a Super Bowl is incredibly disappointing. They w- win a Super Bowl.
0: Rather. I mean, last year was really the year where you had all the weapons. Everybody's under the right yeah. contract. They're 13-3.
1: In, in the Shazier thing. I mean, I think they maybe Shazier the Shazier thing before, hurt, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. I get, yeah. Well, the year before. They got killed by the Pats, though, in that last round. Well, Pats are good. That, that game wasn't close. Pats are,
1: I don't know if you look into this. Pats are pretty good.
0: They I should, wonder if it makes sense to just get rid of everybody and just throw away next I think season. you do that
1: next year. I think you do that after next year.
0: All right, well, this leads me to my Antonio Brown question. Okay. Here are all the best wide receivers of all time by... By yardage. Okay. Jerry Rice, the goat, doesn't mm-hmm. count. He's immune from the conversation. Yes. Larry Fitz, second, never won the Super Bowl. Free agent, by the way. Yeah. I still feel like he's going to have a cup of coffee with the Pats.
1: I've At been. some point, in his I called two weeks ago. He says he doesn't want to go anywhere else. I think. I think Belichick calls him on on June 3rd. It just always or, has made sense. He's to got me. some travel agency he's doing, and I, I think yeah. he's going to go to like you know he's going to go to on a couple of vacations. Then Belichick's going to be like, let's go.
0: The Providence Journal can hire his dad. <laughs> Where's that, what's, it, what's his dad writing?
1: Uh, his dad writes for a local paper in Minneapolis. Yeah, He's very the happy. Providence Journal. Seems very happy doing it. He's in a lot of press boxes.
0: Larry Fitz, no, no Super Bowls. Made one, though. Terrell Owens, no Super Bowls. Made one. Randy Moss, no Super Bowls.
1: Made one. Mm-hmm. Isaac Bruce won a Super Bowl. Wait, didn't Randy Moss make two? Wasn't he on the Niners? The Harbaugh Niners? Oh, I guess that counts. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) Are you bummed out That it wasn't just The Patriots That got in there (laughs) Tim Brown
0: No Super Bowl Got there Steve Smith Did he he win Was was he on that Ravens team that won I can't even remember I don't think he was
1: I don't think he was No Super Bowls Made one Because Gettleman Is the one that cut him And he came after
0: Marvin Harrison Won a Super Bowl and might have murdered a guy.
1: Let's get, as quickly as we can, get off, get off of Marvin Harrison onto the next <laughs> but, receiver. <laughs>
0: there was a rare gun that yeah, he owned let's, that is- Let's not, a, it's let's a, it's not a, linger on this Google particular that point. story. That should be, instead of the 17th Aaron Hernandez podcast, we need a Marvin Harrison, what the fuck happened well, there's podcast. There's
1: a significant difference, which is that Marvin Harrison is
0: if walking out and
1: about. Walking the
0: earth. Reggie Wayne, he's 10th all time receiving yards. Wow,
1: that's what Peyton will do to you.
0: Andre Johnson, no Super Bowls. James Lofton- I don't think he won. Chris Carter, no. Anquan Bolt, you get the point. If we we care so much about these receivers, but I wonder if it's more like fantasy league versus. Yeah. No, okay. So, like, talk me out of that point. Okay. So, Is it worth it to pay Antonio Brown $22 million a year?
1: I think that wide receiver has been overrated. I think it has been overrated. But I think now. The way football is set up with the spread, with the modern offenses and all that stuff, the number one thing, so, Pro Football Focus, they have a, a war wins over replacement thing. Yeah. And last year, Michael Thomas was the number one non-quarterback ahead mm. of any defensive player. The reason being that first downs are so critically important, and Michael Thomas is really freaking good at getting first downs. And, and, and I think that that's what teams are figuring out now is that getting first downs on first and second down, not punting, those sort of things, keeping hold of the ball, is the new equivalent of not bunting in baseball, not get voluntarily giving up outs, just continue to have the ball. And so if you're a wide receiver who can just move the chains as cliche as that sounds if you if it's analytically proven you can do that you are as valuable as any non-quarterback in the league. You and are yet,
0: very important. And yet the uh Belichick Patriots the la- since Moss left Gronk has really been the only all-pro receiver they've had.
1: Right. But Gronk is I mean, he's a unicorn. He was a unicorn. I mean, there there's no one there's yeah, no is. one like him.
0: See how he used past tense for Gronk Kyle? Huh? Yeah,
1: I know. Are well I there? Mean, are I, you there yet I, mentally, Kyle? I think <laughs> yeah. That, I'm not counting on him. It's all right. I, mean, I don't. I mean, if he was she, considering retirement last year.
0: He had a play in the Jets game. I watched the Jets game with my dad. Okay. And threw it to him, turned around. The guy missed him. Mm-hmm. And now he's running in the open field. My dad and I are going, No, no, go down. Don't get hurt. <laughs> it's really terrifying. Um I I think wide receivers bring another thing to the table, and I'm not saying all of them do because I don't think DeAndre Hopkins has been like this. He seems like a great teammate. No, oh no, he. Oh, oh no, I, I didn't know what you were going for. He, I think he is. I think Fitzgerald has been an awesome teammate. Oh, yeah. So it's not. It's, this isn't a blanket statement. It's just something that I think we've seen more often than not is the superstar receiver is also me, 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 me. What about me? Mm. What about me? I'm not getting the ball enough. What about me? And football is such a team oriented sport. That you have this one guy who you can put over here, and he's the one selfish guy, and he's all he cares about is his stats and his numbers and all that stuff. But if the team framework isn't great, and that guy's in there, I think it can go haywire.
1: I would flip it the other way. It's really the only position in sports, there's really no other position like this, where you're completely dependent on somebody else. Completely dependent. Yes. If Antonio Brown does not have a quarterback and get him the ball, they are screwed. Their livelihood is at stake.
0: Well, we saw it with Larry Fitzgerald for o- five years.
1: Odell Beckham was mad because Eli Manning can't throw the ball more than 20 yards down the field. That's his That's right. not fair.
0: He can throw it like 22.
1: <laughs> but th- I, I think that's his right. If Odell does not have a, a quarterback who can give him the ball, his livelihood is literally at stake. His legacy is at stake. So. I would complain just as much. I mean, if there was an editor here who didn't get my stories back to me in four days and it came back crappy, I would say, hey, this sucks. Luckily, we, we don't have that.
0: Are we living in a world where you haven't complained?
1: <laughs> let's but, take a break. Hey, hey, Not not to the media.
0: <laughs> not to the media. Uh, let's take a break.
1: Let's take a break to talk about the New
0: York Times Crossword. If you're listening to this podcast, you've already figured out smart ways to spend your time. Here's another one. The New York Times Crossword app. The crossword app is a fun, clever way to stay sharp. Every day there's a new puzzle and a new opportunity to challenge yourself and play. And now with the mini crossword, you can squeeze in a game in just a couple minutes. Each mini puzzle is stimulating, quick, and most important, fun. Play by yourself or challenge your friends. Then post your best times to share the satisfaction that comes from solving. Whenever you have some downtime, discover wordplay every day. It's time well spent. I flew back and forth to Boston over the holidays. And I downloaded this because we had done a couple of reads for it. And I was like, I want to check this out. The Mini is really fun, especially like if you're trapped on an airplane, um, you're on the runway or something, you just bang, bang a quick one out. Check it out. I even got my dad to download it. You can download it. Download the New York Times Crossword app at newyorktimes.com slash mini. That is the New York Times Crossword app. All right. One last thought on the... uh, on the Antonio Brown thing. It's interesting that the Patriots, after the Randy Moss experiment,
1: mm-hmm.
0: have completely steered clear of like a marquee receiver type. And they've had chances. Like they, I felt like they had chances to even go for like a Larry Fitzgerald type. And for the most part, Belichick has tried to money ball the receiver position and done you know, these kind of second and yeah. third tier guys, even like somebody like Jarvis Landry, who I think they could have had a chance to potentially trade for last year. He just doesn't care. He feels like he can get by with whatever, because he's got Brady yeah. running back by committee. They just don't want to spend money on offense. I don't know if that's by accident or whether that's like a real plan yeah. by them.
1: I, I, I don't know what Belichick's thinking. Exactly. I, I talked to a guy yesterday and first, where I wrote in the ringer today who basically said he thinks that the there's a psychological hurdle when you have a veteran quarterback for any team, including the Patriots, where you think, well, I have this quarterback. Everything on this side of the ball is is fine. Yeah, and, and that's what happened to the Colts with Andrew Luck. That happened where, he, you know, this guy blamed uh, so, some of Kaepernick's problems in San Francisco with the fact that they just didn't put anybody around him once he signed that contract. And so I think teams see quarterbacks as solving more problems than they actually do. And, and so I I would, I know the Pats were in that spot in 06 when they traded Deion Branch. Yeah. And so Belichick probably views this as, okay, we have Gronk. We can get a guy like Josh Gordon on a flyer. There are, you know, a lot of receivers who can run routes and do different things. I mean, Troy Brown was hugely valuable. I mean, Edelman is a hugely valuable person. Edelman was good,
0: but he was never Troy Brown.
1: You know, I think that what they realized, I actually just remembered I had a conversation with someone within the Patriots a couple years ago, and I, I cannot believe I, I blanked on this. So uh, basically, they made the decision, and Lombardi's talked about it, you know, a lot of people have talked about it, that inside receivers can be just as valuable as outside receivers, and outside receivers are way more expensive. Yeah. And a Randy Moss type who's going to come on a low cost, situation from Oakland where he was mailing it in that's only going to come around every couple of years maybe maybe we're finding out that Amari Cooper was like that because Amari Cooper it basically admitted that he wasn't giving it his all in Oakland and now he's in Dallas and he saved Jason Garrett's job congratulations Cowboys fan clapper yeah and so I just think that the that there's that they sort of viewed you hear these stories from New England all the time they sort of view the inside guys as better than the outside guys and I think that's slightly coming home to roost a little bit because, you know, the outside guys are quite, quite good.
0: Well, and the other problem for the Pats is they've tried to cut costs on speed. So take flyers on speed guys. And for whatever reason, none of them have really worked out from all the second round picks. The Bethel Johnson, Chad Jackson, Brandon Tate, all those guys, um, Cordero Patterson. And Dorset running back,
1: running back Cordell Patterson,
0: and Dorset was another guy He yeah. was a speed guy, who's really kind of a fast slot guy, but isn't an actual outside guy. So I, I feel like they've never found the right guy. What, what's always amazed me with Pittsburgh is how over and over again they've been able to draft these receivers. I think, like if you talk about like the Tomlin era yeah. legacy, the amount of receivers that they've found who are just competent to great, it's kind of starting incredible. with Mike
1: Wallace, who's the forgotten guy.
0: Yeah. But there's been like eight, right? Yeah. I even like the guys, the random dudes they have now, like Washington, James S- Washington. Switzer. Those guys are... Uh... Hey, I want to talk about the Rooney rule. Okay. Oh, one last thing on Antonio Brown, okay. quick. You can't say this because you're in the locker rooms There'll be heat against you. So I'm going to say it. He just seems like a dick. Like, first of all, all the sh- all the drama that he started, a lot of it seemed to be avoidable. And if you know anything about being on a football team you know it's going to be a big deal. Um, but I go back to the Dancing with the Stars when he was on that. And he was so desperate to be famous on that. And okay. it was kind of when the Dancing with the Stars jumped the shark, when Antonio Brown was like on the show just desperately trying to be somebody. It reminded me yeah. of like what Rod Tidwell would have been like if he had been an actual professional athlete. Rod Tidwell would have had that Cardinals but in football game. And then try to go on Dancing with the Stars that year, which makes me wonder: Is, is Antonio Brown Rod Tidwell? So,
1: as you said, I would get heat if I endorsed any of these takes. So I'm separating myself from that take, and I'm giving my measured journalist take here. Yeah, great. I've been at Steelers practices. I've been at training camp. I've been at practices in you know at their facility uh, near the University of Pittsburgh. And Antonio Brown practices differently than any other player in football. He on on the day, for instance, that I saw him in August. When he caught a pass in 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 drill lines, he would you know kind of celebrate with the fans and and kind of do this kind of Russell Crowe and Gladiator thing where he would swing around and he would get people hyped up, which is really the antithesis of what football practice typically is. Now, at the time, I found it interesting. I, I think I compared it a little bit to sort of like you know Steph Curry or somebody who warms up in a way that is mm. really is really interesting. And but I can see how if you're James Washington or if you're Juju or you're, if you're Brent Roethlisberger, you're kind of like get get back in line. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. And, you know, he has unlike most players in the league, he has um a lot of sort of his own friends on the sidelines. Uh, I think he. I, the day I was there, CBS wrote about it. The day I was there, he had a friend who basically who's in charge of giving him water, uh, which is different oh. than, than most. And I, I think need that Kyle. I think that I ended that after 2019. I, think that ended I after, need a water right now. I think that ended after the report actually, but I was, happened to be there that day and I saw it. so, I think that I think that, that just comes along with being a superstar. I was fine with it, but I could see how if you are a teammate, you might take it the wrong way, just the way he conducts himself in practice. Look at I, me, look that, at me, look at me. There's a little bit of
0: that. I think missing um, the last day of the season when your team has a chance to make the playoffs, and it's realistic that the Browns can beat the Ravens, which they almost did and really should have. They should have. They had four um, chances. They too. had it. But the fact that he fucked that last week up, I don't know how you come back from that. I agree with your instinct to bring it to run it back for another year. But at the same time, that that's really about as damaging as we've seen. And you tweeted a photo yesterday of him and Jimmy Butler, who were <laughs> practice buddies. And I'm like, what wow. What goes on
1: down there when wow. that happens? What, Could is, you imagine being just a guy who's not one of those guys when those
0: guys are together? Two guys who don't seem to understand team dynamics at all. So maybe that's what they talk about. Uh, I want to talk about the Rooney Rule really okay. quick because. We had all these coach firings and now we've ended up in a situation where there are three black coaches and one black GM and that's yeah. it. And this has been this alleged, uh, I don't know, uh, what's the right word, push by the league okay. over the last 10, 12 years. And the push has not worked. Tom Curran wrote a really interesting piece about all of these people requesting interviews with Brian Flores, who's the Patriots defensive coordinator, who's black, who's had the job for one year who's been pretty good. I, w- I wouldn't say he, I haven't been watching the defense and thought, oh my God, look at what Brian Flores came well, up with today. he's an upgrade
1: over Matt Patricia. He's an
0: upgrade over Matt Patricia. Um, but now there's a chance he's going to get hired. He's going to go on all these interviews. And Curran's and point was, he's not ready yet. He's only run one half of a team for one year. And this is yeah. basically what happened to Steve Wilkes. But we've seen this over and over again where people aren't quite ready yet are getting thrown into these job interviews or even jobs. My question is, I think they need to rethink the Rooney Rule. And if we want to have more minority candidates for coaches, there should be a better infrastructure, which is led by people like Tony Dungy and Marvin Lewis and like a mentorship type thing, where they identify people who could be a coach like five, six years from now, and they build this program for them and really try to take somebody like Brian Flores and really try to give him extra leadership, extra mentorship, extra time with people who've been there before and try to build these candidates from within versus like grabbing somebody who's been a
1: DC for one year and just giving them a head coach job. Because I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, so there's a couple of things. First of all, they have a minority internship coaching program just to get these guys in on the ground floor. And yeah, I think but that's, that's the ground floor, that's that's, that's that's helped a little bit. They've also, they have also have off-season programs where they have younger candidates, not just minority candidates, but younger candidates who meet with, you know, John Elway and stuff. And I, I've actually been to a meeting where they did that at Wharton in Philadelphia, and I saw it, and it was, it was fairly interesting. I think I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's embarrassing for the league um, how few minority coaches there are. I think... It might be a media problem. I mean, I, I, when I look at it, everyone thinks to anyone who's ever met Sean McVay, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Zach Taylor, his quarterbacks coach, is 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 getting interviews. I mean, and, and just like, you know, I think right now there's a problem with Adam Gase, where Adam Gase is apparently gets to pick his job. Well, what has Adam Gase ever done? Why isn't Steve Wilkes? Why isn't you know? I, I just think that there's we 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 have this narrative now where. There are guys who are getting second chances that shouldn't. I don't think Adam Gay should immediately get another job. Um, I think that people like Steve Wilkes and Vance Joseph should have gotten more time to learn on the job. I just don't know. I don't know. It, it's 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 embarrassing for the league. I don't know why guys like like Vance Joseph and Steve Wilkes were on such short leashes. What what has Steve Keim done in Arizona to keep his job if he's the guy that hired Steve Wilkes a year ago? I don't understand. I so didn't, I have
0: no idea. It seems like the GMs stay longer than the yes. coaches. But the GMs decide they meet all these dudes, then like Vance Joseph, that's our guy, and then it doesn't work. It's like Vance Joseph, he sucked. All right, we need another coach. It's like you fucking hired Vance Joseph.
1: It's, re- it's why don't why isn't there more heat on someone like John Elway, on someone like Steve Kime, who just brings these guys in for two years or one year, they don't work, and then you get to keep your job. Why? Well, then we
0: found out that he tried to bring Shanahan back after a year of Vance yeah. Joseph. But the the reason Vance Joseph didn't work is he wasn't ready for that job. Yeah, I look at somebody like Gase. What did Adam Gase do? Well, first of all, what did he do? I don't know. But second of all, he actually was a really good quarterback coach. Like somebody like to be able to work with Manning and get what he got out of Manning when Manning was at like a different point in his career. And also to win over somebody like Manning makes me think like, all right, let me look at it from Adam Gase's side. I go to Miami at these huge contracts that, you know, Ndamukong Sue and people like that and all the salary cap. I don't have a quarterback. I basically have to go all in on Ryan Tannehill, who's as mediocre as it gets. Then we dump all of these personalities. We bring in this other team. I actually think they might've overachieved on that offense team. That was like a four and 12 team. He didn't
1: make Ryan Tannehill much better than Joe Philbin did. And we all agree Joe Philbin's a bad coach.
0: But I'm saying, I'm saying I have no idea if he's a good coach, is my takeaway from Adam Gase. The Vance Joseph thing, it just seemed like he got thrown in too soon. But with Gase, it's like, that was a terrible job. Those three, three years in Miami. Was Adam
1: Gase's defensive coordinator. Miami. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I, I think a lot of this has to do with situation and um, where the team was, who you're following. Like Hugh Jackson's a terrible coach. I don't. I don't think Hugh Jackson needs another another chance. Like he was really bad, and the team immediately got better as soon as he was removed from the equation. He was bad. I don't know if Adam, Go- Adam Gase and Vance Joseph are bad. I thought Anthony Lynn was bad last year, and he's actually been pretty good on the Chargers this year. I think Mike McCarthy might have been terrible <laughs> and, and lasted for as long as he oh, did because he won a Super Bowl there at Rodgers. But, um, I mean, their lack of creativity on offense was kind of legendary. Yeah. So I don't know. Basically, yeah. I think there's like seven good head coaches and every year the other 25 are hit or miss. Do you
1: know who I'm more in on? I'm not all in on him, but I'm more in on him from a minority candidate standpoint right now because of who followed him, Jim Caldwell. Only because he he got that Lions team to respectability and then he left and it became Matt Patricia's Lions where Matt Stafford is one of the worst passers statistically, you know, this season. I Well, I what think- happened to Levy Smith? Did he retire? He's at the University of Illinois, He's the head coach of the University of Illinois.
0: But Lovey Smith almost made a Super Bowl with Jay Cutler.
1: I don't understand why he right. didn't get another job. Well, he no, he went to Tampa. He was the head coach of Tampa. Right? Yeah, and then he got fired. Because they, they essentially they they thought that he wasn't doing a good enough job developing Jameis Winston, which I don't think there is much developing to do there.
0: Yeah, that's on Lovey Smith?
1: Yeah, I think it might be on like the front office. And I'm, I, I, I at, do think Lovey had a lot of power to the point that I think that he had a lot of say in drafting James Winston. I would
0: look at every coach who has succeeded in a real way, who doesn't have a job. And I would rather try to hire those guys versus some dude who's never coached before, who you're getting or probably going two, to the, three or years or before going
1: to college and getting someone like David Shaw. Yeah, what? but
0: he's, he doesn't seem like he wants no, to come. Though.
1: Just give him a lot of money. Cliff Kingsbury is getting head coaching job opportunities. He just got fired from a college job. What are we doing? I think it's the hardest of all the
0: coaching, the professional sports coaching jobs is football by far. Because
1: a lot of it's luck. You're dealing with quarterbacks. Yeah, you're
0: dealing with 53 dudes. You're dealing with an incredible amount of media pressure. You're dealing with just point blank. You need one of the eight best quarterbacks or you're kind of screwed. And you need that dude to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Like Frank Reich seems like he's a good coach. He was their second choice. They wanted McDaniels. McDaniel's backed out in the last minute. But if Andrew Luck, if his shoulder got hurt again and the
1: Colts were four and twelve, what happens to Frank Reich? Hey, I have a question. Why is why are any teams seriously interested in Josh McDaniels after what he did last year?
0: Yeah, it's like
1: I don't know. If I were an, apparently the interest is real. And I just don't know why you would do that. He's really smart. Josh He's really smart He's a okay. really good Offensive coach But last year He had a He accepted a job And
0: then pulled out so that I think he pulled scrambling. out Because he didn't think Luck was healthy I think there well, was
1: I think that was a mistake I, I think he got bad info who's I think Belichick Was right bad now. info who's, who's healthier right now Andrew Luck Or Josh McDaniels quarterback oh,
0: man. That, that throw Kyle We didn't talk about it Brady missing Hogan In the middle of the end zone Yeah That was tough That was tough to watch I thought that was going to kill my dad. I actually like <laughs> yeah. check put up. my hand on my dad's shoulder. He was he, my dad made this noise I've never heard him Mick before. He was like, oh, <laughs> it was like he was being suffocated in the nursing home. I felt so bad. Uh, before we uh, before we go, yeah. so basically to wrap it up on NFL coaches, I have no fucking idea what to do, but I do think they should take younger coaches, especially the minority ones, and have some sort of mentorship program. That's a real thing and not just like lip service because I agree. And Brian Flores should be
1: mentored so that two years from now he's yeah. ready to really be succeed yeah. as a coach or a position coaches like Deuce Staley in Philadelphia, who's now worked under Chip Kelly and Doug Peterson. Yeah. Great. Has, the Deuce. Done, yeah. And Love he's Deuce Staley. Like why isn't he a coordinator next year? And then in two years he, he takes over a job. I just, I just feel like the, the, the fast tracking needs to be um, more thought. I out. wonder
0: if part of the problem is that the NFL is owned by old rich white guys. Maybe they don't care. Well,
1: I, I think part of it is that the owners make the decision to who to hire, and they don't know about football. And that's the problem. And then they outsource it to like, oh, we're going to give it to this old GM. And then they just, you know, some advisor, quote unquote, they just hire their buddies or people they know, people they're close to. And then it just becomes this terrible feedback loop where nothing ever gets better.
0: What do you think the best available job is right now? I would say the Browns. Browns.
1: I think Green Bay. I think
0: good. the Browns are like legit good. They do you give them a real coach next year
1: and that team could win like 12 games? They have a lot and of, they have cap space. They have cap space. They have a lot of talent. I think John Dorsey's a really, really good. GM. They're,
0: they're their signature players. The cornerback they took Ward, Ward, Chubb, Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett, and Baker. They're all on rookie yeah. contracts. Yeah. That's like the best job in they football. Have,
1: they have three years where they could really. I when I was they doing could win the Super Bowl next year. Cap story today. People were saying they're the number one team positioned to win a Super Bowl in 2020, 2021. I, I think next
0: year if they got the right coach. Uh, depends. Give me one thought on wild card weekend. I don't want to steal from Rosillo on dual threat.
1: Um, I think that the matchup to watch is Bobby Wagner against Ezekiel Elliott. I'm mm. just fascinated by this. <laughs> Bobby Wagner has missed... Less than 1% of the tackles in his career. I saw the stat this week. Ezekiel Elliott leads the NFL in yards after contact by like 50 yards. I mean, I just think that that's going to be kind of an old school. I think there's a bunch of different matchups this week that are really fascinating, but I think that there, there's a lot more old school shit than we anticipate that's going to happen this week. Probably the modern offense. I think that kind of matchup. I also think that the Chargers and the Ravens are so funny because the Chargers are built to stop modern offense. Derwin James, yeah. pass rushers, Bosa, Ingram, and the Ravens are just going to throw some shit from them at, from 1972, and I love it. I absolutely love it. The last two teams to rush as much as the Ravens have in the Lamar Jackson era are from 1973, 1976, and so you you have, and that that's the problem with the Chargers is they're built to stop a Kansas City, and they're not getting a Kansas City.
0: The problem for my beloved New England Patriots is if Indianapolis beats Houston, which I think has a very good chance of happening. And then Baltimore beats San Diego. And then Baltimore comes into Foxborough and they run the ball 58 times for 316 yards and have the ball for like 42 minutes. That's my fear for the next two weeks.
1: So the Ravens, even when they're crappy, have always played the Patriots. Always.
0: They're never afraid. Um, Doesn't matter the talent on either side. They love playing the Pats. The Pats have a ton of respect for them. And the last time they played in a playoff game, the Ravens should have won. The Pats had to pull out a whole bunch of garbage gimmick shit just to get to 35 points. I think
1: Belichick has the same mental, because he he grew up in Baltimore and all that stuff. I think he's the same mental block with Baltimore as he does with the Giants. Just too many memories. You think it's emotional baggage? It's emotional baggage. <laughs> he loves Maryland, dude. <laughs> he loves it.
0: Uh, what else are you writing this week?
1: I got a thing on Deshaun or the Texans coming on Friday had a salary cap piece this week next week doing a big thing on Patrick Mahomes and then a couple other things coming down the pike
0: Patrick Mahomes what team is he on?
1: he's on the team that's going to beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship no
0: that's the team we want to play on the road? That's a good matchup for us. Can we talk about one thing? The real only quick? thing
1: we have that we have that's a strength on on the basically the entire team is the secondary. I've become obsessed with the fact that teams can't win on the road in the playoffs. I think it's fascinating. There has not been a team that's played in the Super Bowl that's won a road game since 2012. It's not possible. And it's fascinating to me. And I think You're saying home field advantage home is Home field basically... advantage is well, pretty much the BL end. I mean, it's amazing how many one seats have gotten in since the uh, since the Kaepernick Flacco. The Flacco
0: Ravens was the last one, right?
1: And Kaepernick the same year. They they beat, they won in Atlanta. And I mean that the
0: Pats Broncos the year the Broncos beat them twenty eighteen. We had the best team that year. And should have made it. And there was no. some f- stupid game that we lost during the season. I can't remember. We should have at home field.
1: So five, Denver 30,
0: wouldn't have beaten us. In the 538
1: moment. were a really good piece on this a couple weeks ago. And their theory was that they quoted a guy from the NFL, does the stats of the NFL. Their theory is that just big calls, big calls go against the road team always. And yeah. so that's all that matters now. It's true. And my theory, kind of aside from that, is that it's such a passing league now there's so many more passes, so many more deep passes, so many more big passes in big spots, teams, you know, interference, third calls, down. you're talking that the calls, all it takes is one huge interference call, one illegal contact that, that keeps the drive going on third down and you win the game. And I think that's what's fascinating to me.
0: I also think it's harder with uh, if the crowd gets loud enough, it, it, it's got to affect the passing game even by like
1: 3%. I agree.
0: Maybe not 20%, but at least 3%. All right, Kevin Clark. Thank you. We're going to get to Kevin O'Connor in one second, but let's talk about Microsoft Surface. If you need a device that helps you get stuff done, but is also perfect when you want to catch up on some fun like streaming live sports or checking on your fantasy team, well, check out the latest member of the Microsoft Surface family, the new Surface Pro 6. Just take the keyboard off and use it like a tablet or snap it back on and use it like a laptop with up to 13 and a half hours of battery life and the new 8th Gen Intel Core processor. It's everything you, you love about the Surface Pro now, even more powerful. The new Surface Pro 6 from the Microsoft Surface family. And since we're here, don't forget about the Ringer Podcast Network. The NFL show is heating up. We got Kevin Clark and Robert Mays. We have GM Street with Mike Lombardi and Tay Frazier. We have a little fantasy football for Daily Fantasy during the playoffs, which is one of my favorite things to do. Check all of it out on the Ringer NFL Show. All right, Kevin O'Connor is here. He is um, fresh off going to Clipper Sixers last night. Is that of a finish? You got to see the the Sixers
2: playing four and five offensively in the last mm-hmm. three minutes in person. Yeah, and Ben Simmons had two big shots. So throwing the throwing the ball off the back and had the, layup, the right-handed layup, but it seemed like for quite a while it was a bit of four and five, some power play
0: happening. I'm glad you brought that up because this is a pet peeve of mine. Simmons, they basically clinched the game. Thornwell's back was to him. He threw the ball off Thornwell, got it, and got a layup. And if you slow-moed it, he was totally out of bounds when he did it. And this happens every single time, and the refs never call it. You have to reestablish position on the court before you can touch the ball or you're out of bounds. And for some reason, they know how to do this on the half court, but not out of bounds. So anyway, um, (laughs) I keep watching the Sixers this year. And it's been really interesting with the Butler component to it because I love the Butler and Embiid combo. I'm not the first person who's come to this realization. I really wonder if Simmons, Butler, and Embiid makes sense long term. And there's some other stuff, and I've talked about on the podcast about that. I really think just Philly belongs to Embiid, and it's It's a team. It's very similar to the Curry Durant thing in, in San Francisco Oakland, where it's clearly Curry's team and franchise
2: and city and Durant's kind of the other guy. Well, and even besides that aspect, he's also the best player, right? think yes. I think that probably near consensus agreement that Joel Embiid is the guy that you're building around. Yeah. That his ability as a... Defensive anchor, an elite rebounder, and then obviously on offense, scoring from the post, scoring from outside, from three. Granted, he's not a great three point shooter. The fact that he can score anywhere on the floor and rack up drawing fouls, and his passing has gotten better too this season. Well, he's, he's also he's yeah.
0: unstoppable seven feet from the basket.
2: So he's and when they yeah.
0: when he there was a play that clinched the Clipper game yesterday where he just got within five feet of the mm-hmm. basket and that was it, and they got him the ball fast enough that the
2: double didn't come in time. And there's still room to get better too. Oh, oh, he's yeah, not, he's not done improving. Like his scoring efficiency on like shots taken from the post is still low if you don't factor in fouls. So it's like as he improves over time, he should be even more deadly from that area of the floor because he's already very good factoring in you know he's a foul magnet. Right. Um, but you know, as his post moves improve and improves and his touch improves and his passing gets better, he'll be even more dominant as he gets better.
0: He the part he really needs to work on is defense. I, I just don't think he's a very good defensive player for what his height and his talent is, and it's amazing when I watch Sixers how often he gets challenged. I, I think guys go right at him all the
2: time and and are able to score on him. I think part of that is Philly's defensive system where they drop the big man defender, yeah. right? And another part is the fact that they don't have many good perimeter defenders. You have Ben Simmons who's a great defender, Jimmy Butler who's an outstanding defender, but other than that. I mean, J.J. Redick, you know, Marco, uh, not Marco, they've replaced Marco Bellinelli with Landry Shamit, and then Furkan Korkmaz, who... Little T.J. McConnell on T.J. There. T.J. McConnell, none you of think those Vincent guys. You is a great defender? When he wants to be. Yeah, I think I he's think up and down. When it comes to grading defense, it's, you know, regular season's long, you know, you're not going full throttle. I think these he has the talent, here.
0: but I don't know if he's...
2: I think he's an elite rim protector, perimeter defense. I've talked to a handful of assistant coaches who they don't view him as a as a plus perimeter defender. Player minus in the eyes of many uh, coaches in the NBA. But overall, he's still a great defender.
0: The ability is there. Yeah. So my point is, I always think you should move proactively on this stuff if there's a great opportunity. I keep looking at this Anthony Davis situation. They are not going to make the playoffs. And if he had one f- five-game injury or, or something, all of a sudden they're like 17 and 27 or something. It could go south really yeah. bad. The way the West is set up, you could be the third worst team in the West and still have like 39 wins. Um, they fixed the lottery system a little bit. I think they're going to end up with a top 10 pick this year.
2: It's a half measure, the lottery. Right. Adjustment that they made.
0: So the Davis thing, which we wrote about on this website, and then uh, Zach Lowe wrote a piece about it. It's 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 become it, the dominant me theme. and Zach
2: had one on the same day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's, <laughs> it's become the funny. dominant theme just because there's a shelf life on it. The Lakers mm-hmm. have a six-week... A six month chance to trade for him before the Celtics are able to redo Kyrie's yeah. deal and then um this weird double supermax. he can't have yeah. two supermax guys with a on a Designated one team. player rule. Yeah. If you
2: trade for a guy like the Celtics trade for Kyrie Irving, you're not allowed to trade for another one. They're so like, in July they could, they have yeah. the most picks. Once Irving's deal is ripped up in July and he he declines his player option, signs a new deal, then you're able to trade for Anthony Davis.
0: I am in the I am in the position of I do not think they should trade Anthony Davis, because if you do that, you should just move the team at that point.
2: New Orleans. Yeah. Why, if you can't why, keep why Anthony though?
0: Davis, just move to
2: Seattle. But why, though? Out of curiosity. like Because- if, I, if it comes to it where Anthony Davis is telling the front office, you know what? I'm probably leaving in a year. I want to be traded because to I Teanex. think I think what their franchise
0: is set up to do is not succeed for a superstar, because- um, it is as small market as you get. Okay, OKC is small market, but it's really not. They're actually spending money now. They're spending more money this year yeah. than anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. They're sold out every game, mm-hmm. and it's a rabid fan base. New Orleans is not sold out every game. They have probably three reporters at every game. Um, they're in a football city that just doesn't really care. They have the best power forward probably of all time on their team, and they're getting 10 12000 a game. Um, I actually think his roster is pretty good. It's like, an,
2: it's it's a solid he, fit. This is I not mean, KG
0: yeah. in two thousand five. Like no. Drew Holiday is one of, I don't know, the ten no twelve best guards in the league. Julius Randle's like a nineteen and nine every night. Uh Meretic, when he's back is a guy you'd
2: want if you're a playoff team. Even Alfred Payton's been pretty solid when he's yeah. been
0: healthy. <laughs> Eton Moore is not terrible. Like <laughs> this the is the floater, not the two thousand six. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for Anthony Davis. I don't think mm-hmm. this is a terrible basketball situation. It's not. But I also think he's gonna leave. And my question is, why not get proactive? Why not try to get a blue chipper back? Does Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis make sense? For New Orleans, we're talking For New Orleans. For New Orleans. If New Orleans calls Philly and says... And you're talking right now. I'm saying today. Today, okay. I'm saying, hey. not the
2: summer. Right now, you're talking.
0: You know, the Lakers are sniffing around. Eh. Celtics, we don't really want to wait. Um, We actually think we have a pretty good team. Ben Simmons for Davis mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense for both
2: teams. Let's have the conversation. What does Philly do? Well, I, I think first, you know, New Orleans is the the, the one that comes down to here. I think, you know, with Ben Simmons, there's very few players in the league that you'd trade him for. A guy who's 22 years old, who's posting numbers that are Magic Johnson-esque at his age. You know, at, you know, guys like Grant Hill have done this. Penny Hardaway. There's not a lot of guys that have done what Ben Simmons has done at his age, numbers-wise, never mind his defense. And his ability to get Third
0: back. year of his contract, so you have yeah. him under control for this year and the next two, yeah. basically. Yes.
2: There, there's not a lot of guys who trade Ben Simmons for Davis
0: it. Davis is this year, next year is yes. gone.
2: Davis, Davis is one of them if you're trading from Philly's perspective. For New Orleans, it's an intriguing basketball fit, right? Ben Simmons, you put him on New Orleans and Alvin Gentry's high tempo, high throttle system. You could build around him Giannis into He becomes style, Magic Johnson. Right? You know, you could that's fascinating to think about if you build around Ben Simmons. You put him. Drew Holiday, Miritich, mm-hmm. Julius Randle, and a bunch of not terrible swingmen. Yeah, then you're trying to invest in forwards, you know, and, right. and then you have, and three-indie guys around Ben Simmons. You get Simmons and expiring back.
0: Miritich comes off next year. You have a chance maybe to go and invest in more free agents yeah. and whatever. And you, give, you basically have two and a half years of Simmons instead of one and a half years of Davis. And if the Simmons thing doesn't work out, by the way, you can flip him a year from now.
2: That's the other thing. Well, he'll be a restricted free agent in twenty twenty. So, so then you would match any offer. You could flip
0: him in February. Yeah, if Uh, you wanted, you could give it a year long
2: stint, and then maybe you trade him. I don't know the Clippers, the Lakers. Like, I think. Here's why you need to wait if, it's, if you're New Orleans. I think you need to wait for Boston this summer. You need to wait for L.A. to be willing to give more. You need to wait for whoever gets the number one pick, whether that's the Knicks or whether it's Phoenix or somebody else. You need to wait to see how all that shakes out because with Ben Simmons, he's probably the best asset that could theoretically be offered. However, he's also another clutch sports client. And what you're dealing with now with Anthony Davis, could four years from now, You'd be dealing with the same thing with him, where Ben Simmons is a guy, he's clutch sports. He is somebody who is in LA any chance he wants, to, any chance he gets. He's someone who it's not a bad thing, loves limelight. That's okay. You know, you could be dealing with this again in four years. Whereas with some of the other guys, it's less than four years. Well, I mean, until like this trade conversation starts, like if he signs a four year max deal in 2020, that's great. Of course, it's great, but what I'm saying is, now if you're in I have New Orleans, my, my guy locked up for of course, three more but years. If you're in New Orleans, you don't want to deal with this in three four years. You want to deal with it in eight years, so or, or if longer. I'm New Orleans, I he,
0: just want somebody that justifies I, me staying in New Orleans.
2: I mean, I think, right? I think if I can, don't have a star and I'm in New Orleans, I might as well not even be of, in the league. Of course, but it, from New Orleans' perspective, are you, would you? Is there significant risk in losing that guy compared to someone like? Brandon Ingram with a bunch else, like a lot of extra picks, other guys, like Kuzma, Is Ingram in the Hart, same draft? Same draft in 2016. So why aren't I in the same issue with him? I mean, I just think it's a different conversation with Ben Simmons. You're talking about the person. Yeah. Somebody there's already that chatter about. But what if I'm offering him, him a four-year,
0: the the most money I can possibly give you, and you don't have to worry about money now until 2024?
2: Oh, I mean, you have him until 2024. What I mean is at that point, 2023, season, you could be in the same exact spot with him then wanting to leave New Orleans, another clutch client, a guy who's already the L.A. stuff. But then maybe Why I leave? trade him in 2022. Maybe. maybe that's how they have to think.
0: <laughs> we rent these dudes for four years, and then we flip them into I, a I younger I, version I mean, of the This dude. sounds
2: like some uh, Florida Marlins early 2000s stuff where they just recycled teams, right? You know, I, To me, the... the <laughs> won, a cup, won a championship, change the entire team, win another championship. Nobody has
0: ever yeah. really figured out how to do this with trading a star. I think... What's funny is the the maligned Timberwolves trade of KG. I actually thought it was a good trade because I was yeah. a huge Al Jefferson fan, and I do feel like if you did his career ten times, we probably got the worst version of it. He had a couple of bad
2: injuries. Um, I thought Al Jefferson. I mean. There that was, was a, a really good yeah. d- there, get there, for them. There was a point where there was like the Al Jefferson versus Dwight Howard conversation. It wasn't real. Like Dwight ended up being it was a like much six better months. Player. Yeah. yeah, it was a short little stint where it was like, oh, geez, Al Jefferson, could he be a twenty-five and twelve guy? And he didn't. You know, he he was that, but he was for a short while. But the motto of that trade,
0: where you're getting a young blue chip, possible, yeah, um, all NBA guy down the road with a lot of picks and some cap space and stuff like that. That's the best case scenario that I trade. I think what what New Orleans ended up with, kind of w- when, and we all went nuts. Buddy healed, mm-hmm. and an unprotected lottery pick basically for Boogie. That was a pretty good haul. It was a um, risk
2: they had to take. I think with the
0: Davis thing, you either have to say publicly right now. Because it's just going to be a story all year, and it's going to be people like us talking about it.
2: It's going to dominate the headlines, no matter draft night when the lottery happens. If the Knicks win it, it's going to be, well, should the Knicks trade the number one pick for an Anthony Davis trade? Everything that happens from now until actually something actually happens, a trade happening, it's going to be through the lens of Anthony Davis. So, if they came out
0: right now. And this is the problem with, part of the problem with the Pelicans is this franchise was thrown together by David Stern. And one of the worst things <laughs> that he did the last 10 years that he was the commissioner, he was just trying to save basketball in New Orleans, which was a noble thing, but gave it basically to the Benson family at a huge discount at the last minute. And they're, they're now running yeah. it with football people. Mickey Loomis, who's also the Saints general manager or whatever, he's, he, he, he runs both franchises. It's, it's run weird, by it? Benson's, yeah. Benson's widow. Del Dempse is there, who it's amazing that he's still there since he's done some of the dumbest things we've seen this decade of any NBA GM. And you, you know, they're just a mess. If they were run by somebody who was good, that person would come out and be like, look, we're not trading Anthony Davis. If we trade, if we trade a generational superstar, we might as well not have a team. So we're not doing it. And if he wants to leave, Go look at your roster. Your roster is actually pretty
1: good.
2: Tell us now if you want to leave and we'll trade you. Otherwise, we're keeping you the whole time. But if you don't trade him and he walks, that's the ultimate worst case scenario. But I'm saying flip it on
0: him and say to him and make it public and be like, we don't want to trade
2: you. So you're saying, do you want to leave? Tell us right now. But then but then like you're essentially you know digging your own grave if you do that though because they're like, digging their own grave anyway i mean he probably wants out anyway like it's gonna then ca- trade him well i mean yeah that's about the timing of the trade i think summer's probably the best time because you can but use that's boston my point. As leverage
0: i'd rather have ben simmons than anything boston can offer
2: unless they put tatum on the table could you get ben simmons in the summer still though or, or if you're philly are you giving ben simmons right now
0: I so this is i wanted to talk about this part but let's take one quick break Hey, let's take a break to talk about the Ringer NBA show. We are basically going five days a week now. It's like four and a half. Sometimes we'll have five, sometimes we'll have four, but we got key check with John Gonzalez and a cast of Ringer characters that's going up on Mondays. Tuesdays, the mismatch, Chris Vernon, Kevin O'Connor, battling. Group chat is usually Wednesdays, um, sometimes Thursdays. Chris Ryan and a host of Ringer people We'll have some sources say with Julia Lipman and Chris Ryan in there. And then on Fridays, the corner three, Jonathan Sharks, Kevin O'Connor, Danny Chow, breaking it all down. And that they're going to, as we head toward the lottery here, um, we're going to mix up a little NBA with some college stuff, but check all of that out. I might even pop up there every once in a while. Also, while we're here, let's talk about the NBA watch of the night really quickly. ESPN tonight. The Celtics, who we're going to talk to talk about in a second with KFC, they're on ESPN tonight playing the Timberwolves in Boston. That is an 8 o'clock start. And uh, I look forward to throwing the remote control and pounding my fist against the coffee table. Check it out uh, on ESPN. Remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com, Amazon, or your local cable or satellite provider. Here's why I think it makes sense for Philly right now. Davis, Butler, and Bede, I think they could win the title. Hmm. You put J.J. out there, T.J. McConnell, you get some buyout point guard that they'll get in February, whoever that is. Like trade for
2: Jeremy Lin, something get, like yeah, that. You yeah, you get
0: one more buyout. You get two buyout guys like they did last year. I think the league is winnable right now. And I'm, I'm watching what's happened with the Warriors, and everybody's like, oh, they'll figure it out. It's like, I don't know if they're going to figure it out. I think Draymond is a completely different guy than he was three years ago. Clay Thompson's had a below average year for
2: him. The Clay stuff is weird. The Clay stuff's right. weird. He's having a bad yeah. year. It's like him talking to his hand. I missed you. Yeah. yeah. He's just not playing well. Did not um, expect that from Clay.
0: repco think- is like way too valuable for them. The McCaw thing, I think how, it, for whatever reason that played out, I think that's been really bad for them because I think he was the young mm-hmm. wing that they need. And I just think they're beatable. And I think the league is just really winnable. Milwaukee's never been in a spot before of trying to win four straight playoff rounds. Boston's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, Toronto, I don't trust Kawhi or or Kyle Lowry to be healthy in May and June. And Philly would have more top end talent. And Indiana too. is probably, you know, the Depot knee is the big question for them, but the way Indiana has been playing the last three weeks, I think they've, they have to be thrown in the conversation. Turner was somebody I didn't even want to put in my trade value thing. And now I think he's going to make the top 55 when I do
2: the next list. Cause he is like reinvented himself as a defensive dynamo. Yeah. He's um. I mean, defense has always been Turner's thing, but he's really it's manifested for him on, on the that end of the floor of the season. So that if would. they
0: got Davis, first of all, what would it take? I think it's I think if it's Simmons and the Miami pick. And an expiring mm-hmm. for Davis, the Miami is unprotected in 2021. Maybe you throwing your own pick, too. I think New Orleans has to take that
2: today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You call them and yeah. you say you've decided three hours. Here's our offer. Well,
2: I mean, if that were offered today, I think if you're New Orleans, you have to escalate things. You need to start calling the Lakers. You need to start calling these other teams with high draft picks. Cause it's basically the Lakers. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it would be fascinating if that were actually offered. Because I think that's something that's acceptable, despite everything I said earlier, right? With the concerns about, you know, living through this again four years from now, with Ben Simmons wanting out like David Davis might this summer. Um, despite that, Ben Simmons is one of the game's greatest young talents at twenty-two years old doing that's things. It's a that win we've for New Orleans rarely seen. Yeah. And for Philadelphia, I mean, having a front court like that, and you mentioned it against Golden State, I think Philly. More than any other team in the East, or even in the West for that matter, if they if they develop the way they can, even with their current roster, with their size, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, that could present issues for Golden State because they love to play small in the playoffs with Draymond at the 5, KD yeah. at the 4, sometimes even with KD at the 5. You can't do that against Philly, right now even. With Embiid and Simmons in their prime. They're not there yet, but in their prime, you can't play Golden State's not guarding guys. Simmons in an entire series. So if it's Embiid and Davis, Davis is a guy who can both protect the rim and defend at an elite level on the perimeter. So and play inside-out yes, with him. he's not exposed there, and he can play inside-out, as can Joel Embiid. So that with those guys, they both have size. And the ability to play inside out on both ends of the floor, particularly Davis, of course. I look at Elders it like for, as
0: shoots. a Celtic fan. If that trade happened, I'd be like, "Holy shit, we have no chance against <laughs> that team."
2: What, are, what Tatum's going to guard Anthony Davis? We're, like, we're, what the hell would the Celtics do in that scenario? If Davis and Embiid were to stay healthy, you know, for the next that's five, a five, five, five ten years. Where does that front court rank? Like all time, that's an all time potential all time great. Embiid's already, right? yeah,
0: he stayed way healthier than I ever imagined. But yeah, you're talking about. One of the four best guys in the league with one of the eight best guys in the mm-hmm. league, and probably the best at their positions. So they would still need a point guard. I mean, maybe yeah. McHale and Bird, but I guess like, McHale was really powerful. Or Bird was small forward. Mm-hmm.
2: Still front court. Samson players, Elijah
0: yeah. Will Chamberlain and Nate Thurman were on the same team that made the finals once. Like it doesn't happen. It's,
2: Robinson Duncan. Robinson-Duncan, yeah. that's a great one.
0: Yeah. Robinson was kind of at the tail end there in the late 90s, but they won the title with that combo. Um, and it actually reminds me of that a little bit, the Robinson-Duncan thing, because Robinson had the ability to slide out. and um, I just think if I was Philly, I would go for it. Because I, 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 Davis being available, you guys talked about this. You did a Ringer NBA show right before, um, you did it right after Christmas. And somebody made this point about how Kareem became available in 1975 and it was like this generational fluke that Mm -hmm. he became available. And I think Davis is this generation's version of that. If he becomes available, KG actually does not qualify for this because by the time they traded him, he'd already had 12 years, you know, he was
2: at the tail end of his prime.
0: And even, even
2: despite the stage KG was at, it's very rare these guys become available at this level. This is like getting
0: KG in 2002, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, Or it's like when Jason Kidd became available for because he had a domestic violence incident and New Jersey was able to trade for him because of that um, right as he hit his prime. And Jason Kidd's not the player that Anthony Davis is. So I I guess my big point is, I have two big points. One is that if I was New Orleans, I'd force the issue or else they're going to be haunted by this story the whole year. I I would put the onus on him to tell them what he wants them to do. And then the second thing is, if I'm Philly, if I can upgrade from Simmons to a generational power forward, I'm just doing it. I'm not even yeah. thinking about it because I I'm so not convinced you, he's you're staying. Not worried there. about him,
2: you know? Think leaving. If you're Philly, you wouldn't worry. Davis about Davis leaving. Davis, yeah. I mean, I, I mean that that's going to be a question with no matter who deals with him, except for maybe LA. If he leaves an Embiid Butler situation and those guys are healthy, yeah.
0: that's fucking lame. To go play with LeBron,
2: I don't see him. I wouldn't like. See that's him like
0: that's the potential next mini dynasty if it's oh, yeah. if it's Embiid, Davis, and Ooh. uh, and Butler, and I, I think Butler needs to be the third guy if you're going to win a title. Right now in Philly, he's the second guy, mm-hmm. and weirdly Simmons is the third guy, and I'm not sure that's going to fly because in the playoff rounds, I think Simmons is just going to be over in the corner. And it's going to be Butler deciding what they do in the last three minutes of with Embiid.
2: Like a, he could be in a playmaking, point guard-esque yeah. role. Yes. Jimmy Butler in that situation, where if you have like a complimentary point guard, like we mentioned, a Lynn type of point guard earlier, if you have someone like that, Butler's going to be the guy handling the ball. That's a lot, a
0: lot to ask. Him. That's a guy who's never really been in that. You know, when Butler? you get you get to this higher, higher, higher level, and you get into these last couple rounds, now you're going against the best offensive players of like the last 20 years are going against like LeBron mm-hmm. and Durant and Curry and James Harden. I just don't think Jimmy Butler is as good as those guys offensively. And if you're going mano a mano, I need somebody better. This is, by the way, this was the issue the Celtics faced in the Cavs last year when they should have beaten the Cavs. But ultimately you're going to get to a point where it's like game seven and it's like, all right, it's mano on mano. Who's your best guy? And this is why the Celtics can't be counted out this year because of Kyrie. Because... Kyrie can get to the level of those guys. By the way, I have a quick Celtic point, and then, then we get to go. <laughs> Kyrie is getting a lot of positive press and a lot of positive comments about how well he's playing. The statistics have he's been great. playing
2: some of the best basketball of his life.
0: They're like, it's why isn't he an MVP candidate? I'm going the other way. Really? I don't think he's doing enough. So you want more? Yeah. You know what I want? I want what James Harden is doing for the Rockets right now from Kyrie, because I think the Celtic situation is at that point. I, I I watch way too many Celtic games. The amount of times they've fallen behind by 10, the amount of times they look, they just get demolished for like eight, nine straight minutes. Um, they're always coming from behind. And then there hits a point where Kyrie is like, all right, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll clean up everybody's mess. And he's just the fucking best guy on the court for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I think he's got to start doing that. I want him to have his stretch where he's like, oh, did you see Kyrie Irving? He's averaged 35 a game for the last 12 games. It just doesn't seem like he wants to do that. And I think that's the biggest problem with this team. It's like, he is by far the best guy on this team. This is not a democracy. This should not, should
2: not be oh, it Marcus is. Morris. It is with Brad Stevens. Yeah, but that's it wrong. That's the wrong. So, that's my so point it's Brad is. Stevens' fault then, the president's fault. Maybe it <laughs> is. <laughs> Maybe, but maybe it's Kyrie's
0: fault because I really think Kyrie's trying to do the Isaiah Thomas late '80s. Mm-hmm. I'll get everyone else involved, and then the last five minutes, I will get involved. I actually think that's wrong. I think he should go James Harden.
2: I think it's tough for him to go James Harden though, because physically, the, I mean, I mean, one of the things that makes Harden have the ability to have to score forty points per game in December, like he like he did, is his <laughs> ability to get to the line. Draw free throws, absorb contact, finish around the rim. Kyrie is more of a finesse finisher. Harden is one of the best players ever at creating contact, absorbing contact. I know people get annoyed with the fouls, but I mean, regardless of you know personal feelings, it's true. He's outstanding at manipulating defenders. And, and I despise draw free watching throws. James Harden. I, I mean, and it's
0: like become one of those things
1: I mean,
2: where <laughs> people get
0: mad now. It's like, well, you just don't like basketball. It's like, no, I. you know what I don't like is one guy dribbling 40 <laughs> feet from the basket as his fourteen minutes stand there. And it's just rinse, lather, rinse, repeat I, over and over again. I, I, I don't record, enjoy it. I'm sorry. I
2: recorded the Ringer NBA show before this with, with Chris Vernon. And we we had like 10 minutes arguing back and forth about, about James Harden. And, you it's know, successful.
0: You know, I, I respect it. I appreciate it. I just don't personally enjoy watching yeah. it. I don't, it's not the kind of basketball I like. I'm sorry. It's, it's like
2: I said to Chris, to each their own. You know, I, I personally... Love watching James Harden. And I understand the, the free throws can be annoying, and sometimes I wish he would flail and flop a little bit less. But A little bit less? That's all he does. <laughs> he but, flops like a fish. Yeah, but he's also a technician. I mean, his ability to now use his body... I mean, I mean that, that game... James
0: Harden's amazing. His footwork is amazing. Yeah, the ball the, handling is... His craft, yeah. the amount of time and effort that he's put into what he does,
2: I completely 100% respect it. Do you remember that game... I with, just don't when, enjoy watching it. Do you remember that game with the double step back against Utah, which was clearly a travel yeah. that went uncalled? The play after that, he, on the other side of the floor against Ricky Rubio in a one-on-one situation, Harden put on a little shoulder shimmy shake that made Ricky Rubio like fly back three, four feet which gave Harden the space to unleash a step-back jumper that iced the game. Those are the moments that I wish were were given a little bit more recognition instead of some of the travels or or the drawn fouls because there's so few guys that can use their body like Harden does to just manipulate really good defenders like Rubio to create space for his step-back jumper, one of the best shots anybody has in the league right now.
0: I love watching him. Kyrie this year is taking 18 shots a game. He's forty nine percent, forty one percent from three, 85 percent free throw, six and a half assists a game. His usage rate is uh where is it? His usage rate is twenty nine point five. What well, I'm saying is I'd like to see him shoot twenty two to twenty three times a game.
2: I think that's fair. I I
0: wouldn't just, argue that just one more shot a quarter that isn't going to fucking Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier or like whoever
2: you're else. You're telling me you
0: don't like Terry Rozier to pull up threes? I can't take it anymore, Kevin. <laughs> I, lo- I, I love what he did for the team last year.
2: Except it was for, wonderful for, to watch. Yeah, except for the game, game seven. Yeah, but yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I, he fell off there. And, I understood why that happened,
0: though. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really meant for that moment. No. Steven's turning this into a democracy. And the one thing he never wants to do is criticize somebody for their shot selection. He'll just take them
2: out. He won't yell at them. They'll just come out of the game. That's kind of how he punishes them. It's a, it's a form of, I think a negative punishment. Uh, Like it's just removing them from the game.
0: But I mean, the problem is everybody in this team takes terrible shots and you just, you'd be constantly removing Everybody. Yeah. If people are going to take bad shots in this team, I'd rather it was Kyrie for sure.
2: I mean, Irving should shoot more. That's always been one of my criticisms of Stevens, is like sometimes you just need to feed the guy, feed the guy, and funnel the ball his way. And with Irving, I think he's somebody that should shoot more. Um, but I think doing the hard and things really tough, though, for him, because he just yeah, doesn't, I don't mean he like does, he doesn't get to the line. But uh, you know I, what I mean, though. Of course. Yeah. I think Irving should shoot more.
0: So, Kyrie, when he was on Cleveland the last year, was nineteen point seven shots a game, and he put up forty seven percent, forty from three, 90 from the line, and his usage rate that year was thirty point eight. But my point right. is, yeah. why is he yeah, taking started with Butler, right?
2: <laughs> huh? This start this Kyrie Irving point started with Jimmy Butler, right? I think. What do you mean? What? When we pivoted to Urban. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But he had LeBron
0: James on that team. I thought when he was coming to Boston, I thought he was going to take more shots. Yeah. And by the way, when they clear out for him, guess what? He scores. He gets layups. He gets assists for Mm -hmm. people. I don't know. I, I want this to be more of Kyrie's team. That's one of my New Year's resolutions. I know you did New Year's resolutions for the Ringer NBA pod I want Kyrie to take more of this team because he's honestly one of the best offensive players I've ever seen in my life. He is breathtaking to watch. I
2: mean, he's one of the best below-the-rim finishers ever. I mean, he's take the clutch of shots against the best defenses in the, in the biggest moments. Uh, Irving's outstanding, and he has been for a long time now. I, I think he's capable of more. I think that's—I look at it as more as that's on the coaching staff to empower him more and funnel more of the offense through him because right now it is more of an equal opportunity type of system um, which I hate and for I mean it has its benefits I mean I, I don't think you hate it it's just maybe with Kyrie Irving you you wish there was a little bit more for him Jalen
0: Jalen Brown is taking 10.6 shots a game which is 7.4 less than Kyrie Irving. quite a lot I would give all of those shots to Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I know I heard Danny but, was but, saying but you oh, can't
2: devalue your asset and no, you're talking about Anthony Davis trades
0: I heard Danny say that he feels like when the three point luck shifts for the Celtics, they're going to go on a tear, and I agree with that to some degree because it's just been one of those seasons. Like they've just missed they they get really good shots and they miss them.
2: Um, I still think they took too many. I mean, okay, I think they take I'm,
0: too many bad shots.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like writing an article right now about the Spurs tomorrow and how they are one of the most efficient teams, despite taking by far the most mid range numbers and the yeah. fewest three pointers. So it's, it, it's with them, it's a little, you know, it's unique. But with Boston, I do feel like they do take too many early mid range shots in the clock. The shot
0: selection's been bad. And the other thing is the rebounding. They just don't get big rebounds. And I, I think, you mean
2: offensive rebounds or just, yeah.
0: They don't protect the boards, and it's been a recurring theme with the Stevens lineups because they're always a little smaller, but it seems like over and over again this season there's been these tipping point plays where if they just gotten the rebound, the game could have gone differently, and the other team always gets it. They give up big offensive rebounds late, and they don't get offensive rebounds for themselves.
2: If, 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 if you're ranking finals contenders in the East, where would you have them right now in those top five group? I think
0: from a talent standpoint, I would have them one. But from oh, what I think is going to happen standpoint, I could see them losing in round one unless they start fixing stuff. Really? Hmm. Well, you look at it. Yeah. Round, Hayward's round sh- one. Mm-hmm. Hayward's a shell. Hayward's a shell. Yeah. He was 0 for 6 in 25 minutes in that Spurs game. It was awful. He, it was he, brutal to watch. He had watch. play, I
2: think, in that Christmas Day game where uh, I think he missed a layup. But in, you know, in his Utah days, full health pre-injury, like, he would have yammed that. Like they were, they were good dunk on people. Well,
0: he also, he, he'll get into the paint, and he's looking to pass because he doesn't want to like bounce off people or go up in the air in traffic or whatever. And the other teams know that now. So when he's in the paint on a drive, they're all playing for him to not shoot. Hayward's playmaking's been really good, to be fair. Well, he he's, was he's in been, the Memphis game. Great. Yeah, he's a facilitator, but this is not the guy that they were paying thirty million for. It's a guy who's like fun to play with, like not, this not, is
2: yeah, this I, is somebody
0: I, who's supposed to like finish plays. And I feel bad for him because, like, you look at Paul George, right now. I think Paul George has a case to be first team All NBA right now. It took him four years to really recover from that injury. So Gordon Hayward, he might he might not be the guy we want him to be until 2020.
2: George right now, one of the game's elite two way players. I mean, he's playing. He's a legitimate be, be, better, first team All NBA, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's probably playing better offense than he ever has, and his defense is, you know, for that team, number one defense in the league without Robertson right now. George is just. About I think he's having a better season than Kawhi because he he he's Play, played every game. More games, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think for Hack during that end, that's fair. Then
0: LeBron gets hurt. I would I would have Durant first team on NBA, but I think I think George has a case. I mean it depend I mean Giannis needs to be there as well. Giannis is in. I yeah, of Giannis course. Is the I MVP. Mean, it's, Giannis is yeah. averaging almost 13 rebounds a game. Unbelievable. That is like the stat yeah. of the year. Yeah. He's a small forward. I was looking at uh I was looking at the the Celtics shooting.
2: Is Giannis your MVP right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Easily.
0: The Celtics have Haywards thirty one percent from three. Jalen Brown's 28% from three. They've taken seven and a half threes a game. All of those have been open. And they just missed all of them. Marcus Smart is 32% from three. And then uh, Baines is 32%. And Ojale is 29%. They just have a lot of three-point shooters that are wide open missing shots. So lot, that's the other thing that needs to get fixed. average
2: three-point shooters, too.
0: But Jalen right? Brown wasn't average last year.
2: No, he wasn't. I, I, I don't think... know what happened to that dude. I'm, I I'm I think the question might actually be what happened to him last year, right? The, was that, it a fluke? That might have been the one season where his shot was great. It's like, you know, we've talked about, you mentioned Draymond Green earlier. Uh, you know We talked about this in Slack before. I think with Draymond, he had that one great season shooting the ball in 2015-16 where he was at 39% from three. But for the rest of his career, I think he's around 31-32% from three. Yeah. So this is a career-worst season for him shooting the ball. But looking at that 15-16 season as what he should be, I think that's more of the outlier. So for Jalen Brown, we're going to find out, was last season an outlier season for him? Or is his high school and college production, rookie year and third year production, more the real Jalen Brown as a shooter? And I think that's probably the case. But he could move towards that second year level.
0: But three-point shooting but, should get better as your career progresses. should,
2: but it doesn't always. I think most guys stay the same. I mean, how many guys really become, go from average to great?
0: Or, no, I liked his stroke last year.
2: I think with the free throw shooting as well, that was a. I mean, free throw shooting. That's Sharks' big thing. I mean, mean, he always looks at the free throw shooting. I mean, that's you know, there's been nylon calculus has written many analytics websites have done great articles on how free throw shooting for draft prospects is a better indicator of future three point percentage in the NBA than college three point percentages, and it's the same thing with NBA free throw percentage as well. That can be a stronger indicator of future three point shooting success. And so for Jalen, his free throws are still poor or average below average, whatever you want to call it. I have a different theory on Jalen.
0: I think he's taken some really hard falls and I think it's affected him. I mean, he's he, had like three of the worst falls in Celtics yeah, history. I mean, his shot has never been great though. People no, I know, school, but I just think like, falling hard. <laughs> I think he's had one of these years where he's had some physical stuff.
2: He had the, the hip injury last year, was it? Or, he took you know, a, and he had a concussion
0: you know, last year quadrant, too, right? I forget.
2: Um, yeah, I don't think
0: so. So the combo yeah. of like physically he's taking some hits. Tatum was the favorite child all summer. It was like Tatum, 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 Tatum. Um, meanwhile, Jalen was playing through injuries last year. The Davis stuff starts. It's always Jalen in the trade, <laughs> and then he comes back. Hayward's now on the team, taking some of his yep. minutes. Now he's got to figure Marcus out how to. Marcus
2: Morris having a career Marcus best Morris, season, making more, one of the great yeah.
0: contract runs ever. Yeah. They have all this embarrassment of riches. And then when he when him him and Rogier specifically when they go in these games, it's like they gotta get all their stats in twenty minutes, and I think it's just changed the way he's played. I actually would trade for him if I was another team. I think he's one of the best somebody should trade for this guy's right now this guy right now because if you look at his stats the first two years, he's basically on the same path as Paul George. If you go head to head, same kind of arc. Actually, more big games than Paul George did, but now he's in. And Paul George, by year three in Indiana, was able to be the guy. Danny Granger was out, was able to take on this huge kind of uh, burden for them. And Jalen's gone the other way. He's now the ninth man on the team, yeah. which is, I don't know. I, if I, I have somebody I mean, like the Hawks, I would I would try to make a major run. In I,
2: I think with Jalen, I I don't view. I just don't think he has the same fluidity as a scorer as Paul George did, even as a young player. I think Paul George is like 13 points a game in year two. I mean, I just think Jalen, the, 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 the path is more like a. You've never liked Jalen. I, I like Jalen. No, no you've never liked him. No, I, I. Kyle's never liked him. Ba- back in the 2016 draft, I remember you know working in Boston, like uh, everybody booing the pick. I, I went on Boston Sports uh, Sports Tonight. I think the next day, defending the <laughs> the, the pick that yeah. night. I think as Jalen, I, I remember saying, "If you like Jay Crowder as a Celtics fan, you're gonna like Jalen Brown because that's typical. That's probably his most realistic outcome. But he can also Just to be, be an I'm, awesome three and D athlete. Yeah, but he yeah. can also be much more than that. If his ball handling improves, if his three-point percentage improves, which, you know, it's gotten better. It's still not where it needs to be. I think with Jalen, I I agree that he's somebody that you should trade for. I'm just not sure if there's a Paul George path for him. I think Paul George is a more fluid ball handler, a better Paul George is a better
0: defender than him, even in second year. But I'm just saying, statistically, if you're just looking at the pure statistical arc, he was on the same path. And now it's cratered and <laughs> gone <laughs> which, toward hell. Which
2: ultimately, like you're mentioning, if you're a team, you're going to try to trade for Jalen. Boston wouldn't trade Jalen now because they're saving their assets for an Anthony, David run, right. an Anthony Davis run this summer. But the problem for Boston is right now Jalen has depreciated in value a little bit. So And so is Rozier. So is Rozier in a sign and trade scenario. So for the Celtics, suddenly it's like you're either adding a heck of a lot more picks or you have to trade Jason Tatum.
0: I think they could have really gotten something good from Phoenix for Rozier um, before the season, and I don't know exactly what it was, but I heard it was a
2: significant offer. I think Phoenix, from what I heard, and I don't know if you. Well, heard, I mean, I know, I know they made an offer, and I think when before the Eric Bledsoe trade happened, Milwaukee also had interest in Terry Rozier last season. But I think
0: Phoenix, there was a little stretch there where they were really, really, really aggressive. And I wonder if that was one of the reasons the GM got pushed out because I think he was aggressively trying to improve the team and there seemed to be something of a schism.
2: Internally. There's There's definitely something with Rozier. I'm not sure if for Boston. Like, Boston right now wants to win the championship. I, I think it was more of a future-focused trade, where it might have hurt their backup. Well, I think they're worried about Kyrie. Now. Yeah, of course. They I, I don't. They they Kyrie's had no idea history, if he could play 100 games. Yeah, Kyrie's injury history, his contract status, Rozier for the Celtics was and still is kind of a, a you know, an emergency backup.
0: And by the right? way, with the Kyrie thing, I'm not saying he should take 25 shots a game for the entire season. I'm saying... The season is in crisis and they need for him to take a two or three week stretch and just be like, I've got this guys. I'm going to score 40 points a game now. And we're, I'm going to write the ship and everything's going to be good. And then we'll go back to where we were. I think we're at that point because over and over again, we've seen the, both San Antonio and Memphis. They were it's down a, by 15. The
2: crisis feels a little strong though. It's a crisis. This crisis, is a crisis. Though? Yeah. I and mean, they're going to make the playoffs and, you know, come come April. Their I mean, over-under ca- was 59 wins. Of course. I predicted they were going to win
0: 67.
2: <laughs>
0: this is It's a crisis
2: for me. <laughs> but
0: you can't tell me they don't have more talent than 27 of these oh, teams. Yeah, I mean, sure. this is disgraceful that they're 20 and 15. I mean,
2: they're, they're a team that, you know, if all worked out right, they could at least give the Warriors a run for their money in the finals. But right now they don't seem like that team at all.
0: I just don't like the way they play together. And I watch a team, the balance is off. And I do think part of it is that Kyrie hasn't really grabbed it by the balls, but I watch it. Even a team like Sacramento, that's a team that has half the talent Boston has. They play really well together and they know who they are. And Fox and healed have developed such great chemistry. Um, Every guy that they have who comes in kind of knows what's expected of them. How many minutes they are going to play I should do this. I shouldn't do that. The only guy that I haven't really figured out yet is Bagley. But I think I agreed with what uh, somebody said on the podcast you did this week that just play Bagley and have him try to be Stoudemire for two ten minute stretches and throw away the defense and just try to beat beat with offense. But my point is, I like the collection of those guys and how they mesh together. And with this Celtics team, it hasn't meshed, and you can see it every game.
2: Sure, I, I think that's one of the you know. Boston has a heck of a lot of talent. You mentioned they might be one of the most talented teams in the league, if not have the greatest depth with high end talent. But with that, it comes the issue of you know not enough touches for a lot of guys. Where guys start taking shots that are outside of the offense, they start taking early mid range shots because they're like, I got a touch, got to go shoot the ball. We lived they through get, it with the '83 Celtics. Yeah, yeah. and, I and think what's funny is Danny
0: was on that team, and I think from what I've heard. I think this he feared that this might happen because he had been in this situation 35 years earlier where you had a really crazily loaded Celtics team that got swept in round two by Milwaukee. Because for the same reason, they had too many guys and they couldn't figure out, you know, who should play when and who the crunch time team was. Uh, I'm
2: paraphrasing stuff. here, but I saw Kyrie had some quote last week uh, where he mentioned like after game 70, you know, you're going to, you're putting this away, right? Like you're, then you're just playing, you're just hooping. Right. Yeah. And, and Boston does need that to happen. There's no guarantee it will though. Cause we've seen this in, you know, in history with teams that just don't, they continue playing this, you know, selfish style as I, some of the players have called it. The red if flag they do is put it away though, whether they're the one seed or the five seed, regardless of regular season performance, if they do bury and start performing at the ability they can in the playoffs, they can become that threat. In the crisis, it will be averted at that point.
0: The red flag is how many times they fall behind by ten plus. I always look at that with teams. That that means something's wrong if that keeps happening, especially when it's shit teams. Like when you're down twelve to Phoenix, something's wrong.
2: You, you know what's funny? You know our, this conversation started talking about Philly should make an offer for for AD and or New Orleans should, should think about it or even making it on their end. If if an AD deal were to theoretically happen, right? Suddenly, Boston is in a spot where it's like, oh, we, you know, now you, you can make a deal, right? Because at this point, you know, for Boston, oh, it would open
0: it, up the yeah, Boston. for Boston
2: thing. and for the Lakers, right now, you're you're in a spot where it's about waiting for AD. It's about the order of operations where you know the timing of the AD trade may matters. And so for Boston right now, it's like you're you're in a holding spot. Right? You're holding Jalen Brown, waiting for Anthony Davis trade, you, you can't make a move right now because of that possibility of getting a generational talent. But if he were to theoretically be dealt, suddenly it opens up a lot of possibilities for what you could do to try to maximize this season and set yourself up for more sustained success.
0: If it was like Brown, Rogier, and Baines for Aaron Gordon, something like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, whatever it might be. The uh, team I yeah. want
0: to make a trade is Dallas. Turn West Matthews into somebody who's better and try to make the playoffs. Because I still believe in Dallas. I think Doncic is going to get better as the season goes. I just want that guy in the playoffs. If he's even an eight seed, I'm happy.
2: Everything we said about Ben Simmons earlier, about him doing things at 22 that have rarely ever been done before. Yeah. Also applies to Luka Doncic to 19 years old. I mean, there's been some criticism on Twitter recently about like, Oh, you know, it's scoring efficiency. Still isn't great. He doesn't finish on the rim. Well, oh, fuck well. that. And that's true. The fuck that. It, fuck all everybody. It, 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 it's true. But it's like, he's also 19 years that's old. Outrageous.
0: <laughs> also go to a basketball game, watch him play in person. Like the yeah. guy, he's unbelievable. He's uh The way he uses his teammates, and I think the big issue for them is I don't think Barnes and Dennis Smith were ready to be on a team where there was clearly this prodigy who's going to be a future MVP candidate, and the team needs to belong to him, but I don't know if... I I think that needs to play out. It's
2: it's like earlier in the season, Rick Carlisle was, you know, really distributing touches between Dennis Smith and Luka. And at that point, I was like, give the ball to Luka. He's a better playmaker. Stop it. And and we're starting to see that more now where Luka's dominating the ball, which made it so shocking at the end of that game recently when he didn't get the touch, when he was using a decoy or whatever the heck happened at the end of that game. But it wasn't
0: just that touch. It was Dennis Smith took a terrible three before that. What game was that? Who were they playing? I watched that game. Dennis Smith took it. Luka made the go-ahead three. And then didn't touch the ball again for the last minute. Barnes took a oh, shot. That was New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, Barnes yeah. took a shot. Dennis Smith took a terrible mm-hmm. three. And then Dennis Smith took the ball on the last oh. play. And Doncic didn't touch the ball. He just scored. I watch that team a lot because I it's weird. He reminds me a little of Bird. Luca Legends. I, I really, I really hesitate to throw that out there, but kind of the way he uses everybody, he uses he's like a chef. He just uses all the ingredients on the court and is like, oh all right, Maxi Kleber's out there. He likes to do this. I'm going to make this happen. I I don't know. I just love watching him. We
2: talked about Luca, you know, before the draft. And our conversation about him was based around the fact, like, this guy's going to be a success. No doubt about it. It just depends on the level he reaches. And right now, his rookie season, his scoring is far beyond what I would have expected for him as a rookie. Like, the playmaking and Get the 20 game at 19 is nuts. The the creating space, like, his footwork and feel has always been at a, a truly elite level. Like, sometimes I feel like I overuse the word elite it, it should do. be reserved for Luca, like he is yeah. a transcendent level player when it comes to footwork. Danny and Danny
0: overuses it. Actually, you, <laughs> you use it a little too much.
2: Yeah, I, I, Danny likes yeah.
0: historical and elite.
2: Maybe that's my New user. resolution. Danny's use a elite historically elite, elite
0: user of historical <laughs> and elite.
2: <laughs> but Luca is truly elite. He's historically elite. Yeah, right. Uh, potentially at, with footwork and feel that. But the scoring, Luca's going to win the MVP someday surprising. if he stays
0: healthy. Yeah, in my opinion,
2: yeah. uh, he's he's um. He like when you're talking about the next faces of the NBA. Like as LeBron fades away, you know, at some point, Luca, Giannis, Santa Kumpo, maybe Ben Simmons. These are the guys that are going to become the faces of the league at some point. This what next about decade.
0: what about Dennis Smith and Matthews expiring to the Knicks for Hardaway, Frankie Smokes, and whatever expiring it takes to make the
2: deal work. I mean, I think if, first of all, if you're the Knicks... You're excited because it's like yes. If I'm the Knicks, get off Hardaway, have a chance at KD. Hardaway, that's, that's should, all people, you need to do. But people should want to trade for Hardaway. Like Utah should want to trade for him. Dallas should too. He, mm-hmm. you can play him in crunch time. Hardaway, Hardaway. I've been I've been thinking about him. Like he's scoring over 20 points per game. His inefficiency stinks. But he's also in a role right now where he's asked to do more than he would yeah. be in a different situation where he'd more. I'm spot glad up. you brought that up, yeah.
0: Kevin O'Connor, because nobody looks at these circumstances when you're yeah. looking at some of these stats. Context matters. He's being everything. forced into being the number one option. On a bad team. Like, of course, his inefficiency is going to be yeah. down. If he's your fifth guy and he's just wide open in the corner, Spot he's going to make up shots. Corner
2: three, yeah. running off screen, scoring secondary pick and he, rolls. He can score against the fourth best defender on the floor instead of the best one. I mean, that's all going to help someone like Hardaway out. Uh, I think that's intriguing for Dallas. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how I do you think feel Sacramento about Sacramento would be
0: fun too for him. Hardaway.
2: That would be. Yeah, I, I'd, that'd be interesting. I, I'd like more size, I think, because when you already have Heald and Fox, I think a little bit more size and Bogdanovich for that matter. What about
0: a three-way where Hardaway goes to Dallas and Barnes goes to Sacramento?
2: Barnes would be more interesting to me than Otto Porter because of the contract for Sacramento.
0: Otto Porter is one of those. Are we sure he's good? I, I
2: think Otto also another one not of sure those underweight types where you know if you put him in a high tempo offense in Sacramento where the ball moves around a bit more. Granted, it it will and now you know without John Wall, Sadaranski in there. It's not a knock on John Wall. It's just how the nature of this team is going to change. I think we might see a little bit of a different Otto Porter moving forward with Washington.
0: The problem is you can't take that risk because he's making twenty five million a year. The
2: the, the money <laughs> we didn't get to talk others. about
0: Washington. I forgot to bring that up. I I would uh I would go. T- I would tank in ways that nobody has seen.
2: The most obscene. We're talking more than the Sixers.
0: I, I would convince Bradley Beal that he has mononucleosis right now <laughs> <laughs> or planar fasciitis or whatever. It's like, Bradley, uh, bad news. There's something wrong. We found, uh, we found some issue with your foot. I know it feels 100% fine, but it's not. Yeah. You're going to have to sit out for a month and a half.
2: Here's the thing, though. They still stink, even with Bradley Beal. Though, like you, can, you can Bradley Beal right now. You can run more pick and roll with him. You can try to improve. Get him an out. Asset. I, I know they got to
0: go. 2007, Paul Pierce on him. Your knee hurts. Oh yeah, that, that was. uh Remember that one, yeah, Paul that Pierce's slight <laughs> ankle strain yeah. or whatever. It lasted four and a half
2: months. There's, there, there'd be a, there's some good tanking stories out there. Yeah.
0: I just want to. I'm going to leave you this, Kevin. Okay. If Cleveland wins the lottery and gets Zion, I'm quitting sports. Okay, you're quitting. I'm just done. I'm just out. Just doing all We're folding the ringer. Yeah, we're just doing yeah. ringer. Ringer turns into a pop culture site. You're gonna have to look for a new okay. job. All right, it's I'm done. Sports. If Cleveland wins the <laughs> fucking ladder again, I'm done. I'm done with all all professional sports. I'm out.
2: I th- I think Zion in Cleveland. They do not uh, deserve that, that, Zion. That, 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 that would be you don't deserve yeah. Zion. I'm sorry, Cleveland. Yeah, that 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 would be. How many be fucking times else. can they win the lottery? Oh, that'd be the fourth time. That'd be the fourth fifth. Time, fifth time? Jeez, I'm losing count. We're losing count. How many times Cleveland's got a number one pick?
0: Dan Gilbert, talk about being born on third base. Just happens to win the lottery with LeBron, <laughs> and all he does is fuck that up for the next fifteen years. And just they keep letting him win the lottery. What has he done other than he won the LeBron
2: lottery? Then he wins the Kyrie yeah. Irving lottery. Oh my god! One note on the lottery. It's fourteen percent for the top three teams, and the first four teams are gonna have God. the lottery balls drawn. But being the worst team still gives you an advantage because if you're the worst team, the worst pick you can get is fifth. If you're the third worst team, the worst you can get is seventh. So right. it's fourteen percent for the top three teams, but it's but it's actually not because of the back end. Of, Here's of another the odds. team that
0: shouldn't win the lottery: Phoenix. Phoenix you you shouldn't be allowed to win the you, to even get a top 3 pick again. many Top 3 picks can you get? What's wrong with DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, exactly. They won the lottery last year. They shouldn't be able to win the lottery again. Oh, oh okay. So you're saying 2 years in a row. Okay. I'm saying yeah. you shouldn't be able to I just be completely incompetent the- for 4 straight years and then just you get Zion Williamson.
2: Yeah, I mean like, Devin Booker was not an incompetent pick. No, DeAndre Ayton wasn't either. They they have something good going. They had the I mean, fourth I, I pick I and know, the I,
0: first pick and back to back lotteries. I know
2: for a while I was like on an island with Phoenix, but I think it's pretty clear now. Pretty well, apparent. you like
0: Devin Booker too much. It's one of your flaws. I don't
2: think I love Devin. Yeah, it's too like much. it's
0: it's like a Jalen Brown type flaw for you.
2: Do do I love Devin Booker too much? I don't know. Yeah, I
0: think I think you like him I, too much.
2: I don't know. Maybe, I see. Maybe I feel it in I, the I, slack. I I think I think with yeah, I put some good Devin Booker stats in there the other day. Didn't I, I think
0: it's easy to put up good stats on bad teams. Is one I, of the things I've learned in life.
2: Well, that that, that was one of my points on last Friday's Ringer NBA show. My my resolution for the Suns was don't fall too in love with Booker at point guard. And the reason why is because I think with him, part of it is as you're saying, you know, he's putting up great stats on a poor team, but also he's a really good off-ball player. Like yeah. Yeah, you don't want to have him as your Total number one centerpiece. You want him running off screens and doing the thing that you expected him to do coming into the league. Like the Clay Thompson, he's not a Clay Thompson level shooter, but that type of thing—running off ball, spotting up, attacking closeouts—he's far better with the ball than anybody could have expected. But we have ball, to go
0: because like, Kyle's getting fidgety. Yeah. Oh, sorry, when Kyle starts moving around like this, either his girlfriend's FaceTiming him. <laughs> no, no. Or,
2: <laughs> I played basketball yesterday. My legs are fucked up. I'm sorry. You played Dang. basketball New, New Year's yeah. Day with basketball. Who? <laughs> Demond and a couple other people right down Where? The court there, Poinsettia, right down at the court there. That's great.
0: Right. I, we should have sent KFC. He could have given a scouting report. <laughs> who, who, for who, everybody. I saying, don't want to hear KFC. Uh, who's your basketball doppelganger? <laughs> I, don't, I right? don't it like hear Kyle's it. perimeter defense. <laughs> yeah, who's your doppelganger? Yeah.
2: Somebody who doesn't try very much and hangs around the room. What do you think?
0: Dirk Nowitzki, right now.
2: Yes, yeah, that's great. Let's go. Uh, with that's time. a
0: low blow. <laughs> It's sad, watching, it's, it's sad watching. It's
2: sad watching. Derek, right you're now. a
0: hero. You're one of the best 15 players of all time. You're the second best foreign player of the league's ever had. You beat LeBron in the finals. I, I think it's it, over.
2: This feature has probably been written, but I think there's a feature to be written on like this final season for Dirk passing the baton to Luka Doncic. It's kind of poetic. I mean, I know it's sad to watch du- to watch Dirk right now, but it's also kind of beautiful watching those guys. It is, but it pass I, the, playing on the court together. Luka's going to take the reins. It's sad kind of nice. to watch. It's, it's sad, but also nice because he Luke can't run anymore. A,
0: I was shocked when I know. went to the Clipper game. He said yeah. he's one of the greats of all time, but at some point you just got to stop playing. Like he can't yeah. move anymore. It's, it, it, it's it's
2: rough. It's like LeBron said recently. I forget where he's like he won't play when he's sorry as a player. Like if he feels like he's gonna be sorry. Like you, it's it's, sad, it's it, sad to see guys reach this level.
0: When the legend retired in '92, mm-hmm. he saw the day coming when he was going to have that Dirk season and he just wanted to get out well before that happened. He was also in a lot more pain. The back back injuries, the leg injuries. But, um, I remember in 72, Elgin Baylor, his body just was done and he wasn't, they asked him, you're like, you can't start anymore. And he's like, I don't, then I should retire. And he retired, they immediately won 33 games. I always mm, thought that was the geez. best. Yeah, you probably should have yeah. retired. Your team went on a 33-game <laughs> winning streak the moment you left. So, I don't think that's gonna yeah. happen with Dallas. Oh but no. It's uh no. it's a bummer they to watch a him. In a row. And no. I, I just don't think there's a road to it getting better. He's too old. He's seven mm. feet, and his, you know, his legs aren't the same anymore. And an awesome career, but I wish he would stop. They would pay him, right? I mean just, you get, you, you, just call, like, you
1: get paid out for the rest of the my season. My last
0: game's next Sunday.
2: Uh, I think you Cubans pay out the me year. for a
0: full year. You gotta, you gotta finish out the year. No, you can't done. like back up Dwight Powell. Like, come on. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> Maxie
2: Cleaver back hey, up. Him, the guy's like the fifteenth best
0: player of all time. How about you he beat LeBron in how the, how the finals? You play dirt
2: for a half, like f- five minutes, one stint. And if he does well, then you play him another one in the it's second. It's
0: funny, half. I always thought he could play until he was like fifty and just be like Sam Perkins in the mid nineties and just spot up threes and just stick his hands up, that's it. But he, I mean, Montrezl
2: Harrell against him, they, one of the games I went to two weeks ago, it was like, oh my God, call the police. And then the game changed where where Dirk, like you he can't be a liability on defense at his position. You just can't, right? No. And, you know, obviously it's affected his offense too. You just can't move. It's a bummer. Harrell's a beast. I fucking yeah.
0: love Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. It just hurts my, it hurts. It does. Kevin O'Connor, we can hear you on the Ringer NBA show. Tuesdays and Fridays, Fridays yes. during the season. We can read you on the ringer.com. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks for having me, Bill. You never Happy fully
0: gave me your, your, your perfect Philly, New Orleans trade though.
2: Oh yeah, I didn't. Are we going to circle back to that? No, just uh, finish, uh, finish, uh, okay, finish with that. Um,
0: Davis for what? I, what think, gets it done I, for I you? think
2: the perfect trade for them involves Boston. I think it does where it's something where this becomes a bidding war. Where Ingram and a bunch of Lakers picks are on the table, where Simmons is on the table. You know, the Knicks are offering the, the number two pick and Chris Stapps. Like I'm talking getting crazy bidding more. Boston's like Sacramento ended up with the number three pick, Jason Tatum, other future picks, sign and trade involving Terry Rozier. I think that's an ideal trade for New Orleans because Tatum is becomes your star scorer. You'd rather and have
0: that than Ben Simmons.
2: If I'm if I'm New Orleans, I think because of what I said earlier about the clutch aspects with Ben Simmons. There's already the LA stuff. Right, I think I think take that off the table I think with everything. You else, don't get
0: your wish here. New Orleans and Philly are about to make a trade. Okay. What does Philly have to get?
2: I think you need to, um, I think right now we're talking today, right now today for the trade 6 deadline, hour deadline. I think if you're New Orleans, you're also needing draft picks. You're, you're needing that Miami 2021. You're needing future Philly picks as well. Even if they're lightly protected, it's not going to matter because the team's going to be really good. So for you want long Ben time.
0: Simmons, Miami 2021 in other future picks. In and like a 2023 yeah. Philly and pick? Like,
2: you know, I'm I'm like asking for Zaire Smith, too. I'm asking for Jonah Bold, and I'm asking for younger players as well, in addition to that. I kind of like Jonah Bold. I think the tough part right Hustles. now for Philly is having to add so much salary in the trade at this moment, whereas in the summertime, right. they're, they, they, can, they can hold on to the J.J. Redick cap hold and the T.J. McConnell cap hold and only have to give up Fultz and Simmons in a trade and still have the ability to either – Resign Reddick and McConnell right. or creates cast Now race. you're filibuster. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, ben but the t- Simmons. The timing in the summer is just much easier.
0: <laughs> ben Simmons, future picks in the Miami 2021 and then expiring. I would do it if I was Philly.
2: And if you're New Orleans, you'd pull the trigger right now. Too? I would.
0: I would do it. I would have to get a top 10 guy back for him or else I'd, I don't deserve a franchise. I don't want future stuff and picks, and what does that do for me? So now I have eight thousand people on my game certain Next, you five are at years. the
2: point now, though, where you you agree that you have to trade Anthony Davis if you're no one's. If it comes to him demanding, a trade. no, I
0: I would just bring it to a head. Like
2: instead, we want
0: to know from Anthony Davis: Is he does he want to be here or not? And if he doesn't want to be here, we're going to try to figure out a trade. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll Gotta be back. Uh, we'll be back one more podcast this week talking about the wild card round. Million dollar picks are coming, Kyle. Mm-hmm. We have a little nest egg, do we? Oh yeah, all right. Well, yeah, I we're over to ride five million. Co-tails. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. E- Eagles won last sneak in. week too, but I didn't get to do picks last week because we uh, we decided to just do a parent corner. But anyway,
2: e- Eagles managed to sneak in with Nick Foles. Yeah, again, God yeah, damn Nick Foles. Leave.
0: Watch out for Nick. All right, we'll see you in a couple of days. All right, thanks to the Kevin's Clark and O'Connor. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash bs. Thanks to the New York Times mini crossword. If you have two minutes, it's a fun way to stay sharp when you're not busy. The satisfaction of solving is endless. There's wordplay every day. Taking a break with the mini is time well spent. Download the New York Times crossroad, crossword app at newyorktimes.com mini. Thanks to Project Blue Book. The new drama series premieres Tuesday, January 8th at 10. ET on History. Visit history.com slash Book to learn more it is based on the true top secret United States Air Force investigations of the same name each episode draws from actual files blending UFO theories with authentic historical events from one of the most mysterious areas in United States history we're back with one more BS podcast this week plus don't forget about the rewatchables comes back next week 50 episodes the godfather Kyle Mm -mm. January 8th Ah! the most important rewatchables podcast we've ever done that is all coming up until then